أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تسألوا عن أشياء إن تمدلكم تسوكم وإن تسألوا عنها حين ينزل القرآن تمدلكم أف الله عنها والله غفور الحليم ويان سورة المائدة verse number 101 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran that O oh, you believe, do not ask about those things that were they to be revealed to you, they w- you would be averse to them, you would dislike them, that they would trouble you if they were to be revealed to you. When tas'alu anha and if you ask about them at that time when the Quran al-Kalim is being sent down to you, dumdalakum then they will be revealed to you. Afallahu anha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pardoned that. Wallahu ghafurun halim, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving, all forbearing. What is this referring to? So Imam Bukhari ta'ala has transmitted a hadith which says that this verse was revealed because the persistent questions of certain people that they kept asking Sayyidina Rasulullah, he saw some a few things. Number one, they would come and they would just to check or test him, they would ask him that tell me what is the name of my father. In other words, they were sort of ask, acting that if you really are a prophet, you would be able to tell what the name of my father is. A second thing that they were doing is that they would ask him to tell them where their camels were. So they would leave their camels somewhere, and they would come to the Prophet and they would say, that tell me where my camels are. Again, as a sort of supposedly test of the veracity or the nubuat of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alright. Here... Obviously that was not uh, mu'mineen who were doing that. In Tafsir ibn Kathir, he has mentioned that Sayyidina Ali has narrated that when the command for Hajj came down, some Sahaba Ikram asked the Prophet ﷺ that is Hajj farz upon us every year? And the Prophet remained silent and then they asked again that is it a farz every year or is it farz once in a lifetime? And they kept asking the Prophet ﷺ and then this verse was revealed. So we have two different, in fact there are many, the Mufassirin have mentioned even other possibilities as to when or why or prompted this verse to be revealed. The overall lesson from this, however, is that a person should not ask irrelevant questions. A person should not ask questions that do not concern them. Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in a hadith, Min husni Islam al-mar'i tarku ma la ya'nihi That from the beauty of the Islam of a person, the nobility and excellence and virtue of a person's Islam lies in leaving that which doesn't conceal them, that which doesn't concern them. Right? However, at the same time, if there is a question that is relevant and pertinent and it is the place and time and proper method of asking a question, then elsewhere in the Quran, Allah has said, Fas'alu ahl dhikri in kuntum la ta'lamun. Fas'alu, you should make su'al, you should ask and inquire of the ahl dhikr the people of Nasiha, the people of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in kuntum la ta'lamun, if you don't have the knowledge, right? And the advice that is given in that verse means is teaching us the adab of a question that a person shouldn't ask just for mere intellectual erudition or intellectual curiosity. But rather a person should ask for the purpose of dhikr, means for the purpose of receiving some nasiha, some counsel and advice that they intend to follow, and with the purpose of actually doing amal on that ilm. And unfortunately today we have, I've encountered several types of people who ask questions in a way that is not appropriate. Number one, they ask questions simply to engage in bath mubatha, they just want to engage in argument and disputation. 
Second, they ask a question that is something there in their intellectual curiosity, but they have made that particular point the be-all and end-all of Islam, whereas they themselves don't even know the basics of Islam. Right? So they want to know the intricate meaning of Ayat nur when the other things that they already know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do not seem to have had any emotional impact on them or haven't changed their lifestyle in any way. Right? So asking in Deen of Islam is with the intention of learning and changing and not merely asking. Another thing that is mentioned in this ayah that if you ask about them, the believers, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing the Qur'an, then you should be careful that it may be part of Qur'an. Now what does this mean? This means that on the one hand that the Qur'an al-Karim is obviously a pre-eternal book because it is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on the other hand, this particular event and occasions that transpired in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and potentially even certain questions Sahaba may have asked, or certain mushawara, certain consultations they may have given, prompted certain revelation to come down. So here Allah SWT is saying is that you may ask about something, and were it to be revealed to you, you would dislike it, you would be averse to it. So it's better that you don't ask. Other Mufassirin have said that this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminding the Mu'mineen that don't become like the earlier communities that the Bani Israel used to ask, for example, say to Musa salam over and over and over again, let's say about the animal that they were supposed to slaughter. Why is that something that was the means of difficulty for them? Because if they hadn't asked, they could have slaughtered any animal and it would have been accepted from them. But every time they ask, they got themselves in a more restricted, that they have to slaughter this kind, this color, this gender, of this age, with these attributes. So Allah SWT is saying, although Allah SWT hasn't done that anywhere in Quran, but He's telling the believers that if you also ask the Prophet some questions in the same way that the Bani Israel asked the questions of Sayyidina Musa and you do so while Quran al-Karim is being revealed, then just like when they asked the questions, more and more strict conditions were put on them, so on you also more and more strict conditions could be placed on you if you ask questions in that manner and in that way. All right. Then Allah SWT also, and the ishara to that, the people before, قَدْ سَأَلَهَا قَوْمٌ مِّنْ قَبْلِكُمْ ثُمَّ أَصْبَهُ بِهَا كَافِرِينَ That indeed, that before, people before you asked such questions, and then what happened, أَصْبَهُ, I told you, literally in the morning, but it means that soon after, soon thereafter, the asking of those questions, they became what? Kafirin, they became unbelievers, they became atheists. So this, if you will, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punchline or the message that Allah ta'ala is trying to give the mu'mineen about all of those questions and answers we have seen being asked by previous communities to their previous prophets. مَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ بَخِيرَةٍ وَلَا سَائِبَةٍ وَلَا وَسِيلَةٍ وَلَا حَامٍ وَلَكِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ Alright, this is referring to something we did yesterday that shaitan has involved people in different types of uh, incorrect worship with animals. And here Allah SWT is mentioning particular different types of animals that shaitan has confused people with. You remember in Surah An-Nisa, Surah number 4, verses 118 to 119, when shaitan addressed Allah SWT, one thing that he said he would do, when he said that I have my naseeb, remember that I have my particular share from your ibad, who I'll lead astray, one thing he said that I will command them to cut the ears of animals. So this is what is coming. Now this is something that the modern reader doesn't appreciate. But remember the Qur'an al-Karim is a book that also comments on the entire history of humanity. And from the vast majority of human history and probably up till the Industrial Revolution, the lives of human beings were extremely tied up with animals. 
in terms of their livestock, in terms of their pasturing, in terms of their grazing, also in terms of their own eating. And people would slaughter animals themselves. This is something that people now do just on Eid al-Adha. Otherwise, they have no idea. And many people haven't even, perhaps even seen once an animal being entirely skinned and chopped up and made into kima, right? But these people were extremely intimately related with their animals. And that's a particular relationship. Then unfortunately, the only thing that is left is the pet dogs that people in Manhattan keep. But otherwise, it was a very profound relationship between the human being and the animals that Allah Ta'ala placed to serve them. Some One way shaitan then uses as an opportunity to mislead people into some type of animal worship. So you will find, for example, in black Africa, a lot of animistic, this is the term the anthropologists use for them, animistic religions, religions that are tied up with certain beliefs and practices and cults and rituals tied to different animals. So apparently in pre-Islamic Arabia, the mushrikeen of Makkumukarma, shaitan had also convinced them that certain rites of worship or certain special features should be tied up with particular types of animals. So these are the names of those animals here in Quran al-Karim. And what Allah SWT is saying by saying, Ma Allahu, that Allah SWT is saying, He has not given any special significance to any of these animals. It's rather the disbelievers who themselves, but following the whims of shaitan, following the insinuating whisperings of shaitan, gave special significance to these animals. Now what are these animals? Alright, so the first is Bahira. Alright, now different Mufassirun have mentioned different things. Mufti Taki Usmani has mentioned that the Bahira was the name of the animal whose milk was dedicated to the idols that no one would be able to drink it. Alright. According to Zujaj, who these are the ulama of Lughat, they said that when a camel bore five offspring and the fifth offspring was a male, then that these mushrikeen of Makkah would slit or cut the mother's ear, this particular camel, as an indication that she was not to be slaughtered nor ridden. She had some sacred status, so you couldn't kill her and eat her for meat. Nor could you mount her, you couldn't ride her. So she was given some type of sacred significance. And she would be allowed to drink and graze wherever she liked. It didn't matter whose personal, whose camel it was. That camel could go into somebody else's field and eat the grass from another person's field because this camel had been given some sacred status. So this is the call from Sayyidina uh, Qadada. And uh, Mufti Taki has quoted a different ruling, a different mention from Sayyidina Sayyid ibn Musayyib. Similarly, from each one of these names, they're quite different things. Another view about Bahira is that the mother camel, if the fifth offspring was a male, the mother, that camel, would be slaughtered. But if the fifth offspring is a female, then it would be given a special sacred religious status. Second animal that is mentioned here is Sa'iba. For Sa'iba, Mufti Taki mentions that the animal that was released in the name of the idols, so you would call this in English, English the vagrant or the wild animal, that is now let free, set free so to speak, and is no longer domesticated, no longer the property of anyone, and is free to graze and do whatever it wants. But again, nobody could slaughter it, and nobody could ride it. There was no level of ownership or domestication. So again, these are rights that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, Allah SWT has no such feeling that camels should be treated like this in any way. Muhammad ibn Ishaq, a very famous scholar of Sirah, he said that this is that camel that bore ten offspring. So if it bore ten offspring, then they would view it had some special sacred religious status and they wouldn't. They would set it free and they wouldn't uh, slaughter it and they wouldn't mount it. Last animal that is mentioned here is Wasila, according to Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, this is that goat, so not a camel, but this is the goat that would bear seven 
offspring. And if a goat bore seven offspring, then uh, seven offspring, another narration mentions ten offspring, another narration mentions ten females. Either way, in any such case, then they would decide not to slaughter the animal and they felt that they would not use this animal for the purpose of meat. Wafsitaki has mentioned that Wasila is not a goat, but Wasila is actually a she-camel who gave birth to consecutive, one after the other, female camel offspring, and that she was also then released in the name of the idols. And the last animal here is Ham. Ham, literally in Arabic, means to protect or to safeguard. To Imam al-Farra, those of you who have studied Naho, you may have seen his name in Kafia. Imam al-Farra, said that this was that male camel whose grandson impregnated another camel. So because of that, this grandfather was viewed as having some status, and this grandfather camel would be set free, right? And why in this read, Ham means, protection means that he was said that he had protected his lineage, that not only did he have a son who had created offspring, but he had a grandson who created offspring. And because of that, this camel was special, and therefore this camel should be allowed again to drink wherever it wants, and pasture and graze wherever it wants, and should not be slaughtered, and should not be mounted by anyone. According to Mufti Zaki, Ham was the name of that male camel who had impregnated a large number of she camels. And because of that, that person would have all, that camel was also viewed as having protected their offspring by having had so many children from so many different lines of she camels. Either way, right, it shows that it's some type of animistic religion, some type of view that animals can become sacred. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the mushrikeen of Makkah. Just like earlier Allah ta'ala has addressed the Christians and mentioned their false beliefs, the trinity and divinity of Sayyidina Isa Allah ta'ala here is also mentioning and addressing the mushrikeen of Makkah about their false makes. Alright. So then Allah subhanahu wa but indeed it's not Allah subhanahu wa who did this at all. It's the unbelievers who have invented a lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they have claimed that Allah ta'ala wishes this la yakulun, and the vast majority of them are people who don't have any sense. And when it is said to them that come and join and come upon that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed in the emergency Quran al-Kareem. And again, so I've been highlighting that nouns for reminder, we're going to have specific mention that you must believe in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam. So come to the Quran and come to the Prophet What do they respond? They say, that sufficient for us is that which we find our forefathers to have been upon. Alright. So then Allah subhanahu wa responds to this, But indeed, their forefathers didn't know anything at all, and nor were they people who were rightly guided. Alright, so this is the suggestion that Idol worshippers often do not accept sacred revelation and prophethood because they are firmly insistent that whatever their forefathers taught them, that is correct. Again, this ayah is directed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards mushrikeen. It is completely inappropriate and absolutely unacceptable for any Muslim to use this ayah on any other Muslim. So for example, let's say you find somebody in Malaysia and he decides to follow Shafi fiqh and he prays according to the teachings of Imam Shafi. And you ask him why, he says, well, this is how my father taught me to pray. And that's how my grandfather taught my father to pray. And you mock him and you recite this ayah on him. That would be absolutely haram. It would be a sin to do that. 
And unfortunately, there is a particular ideology of Muslims today who run around the world and they tell people that the way they pray is wrong and the way they do this is wrong and you're just following your forefathers. Instead of following Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, this is incorrect. If your forefathers means that you're following people who are on deen, if you're following Siddiqeen and Salihin, it's completely acceptable. Ain't Islam, ain't Quran to follow your forefathers, those who are from the Siddiqeen and Salihin, because again, like I told you, don't forget, Salat al-Ladina anamta alayhim. So Quran al-Karim is telling us that we want to be guided to the path of the Siddiqeen and Salihin. Alright? And no doubt, Imam al-Shafi'i ta'ala was from the Siddiqeen and the Salihin. So anybody who chooses to follow his ijtihad, or that if any of the Ayma, Imam Unifa, Imam Malik, or Imam Ta'ala to use this verse against any person who was following any of them was absolutely forbidden. Alright. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu alaykum anfusakum that oh you believe you're only responsible for your own selves. La yudhurukum man dhalla idahtadaytum and that person man that person who is astray and misguided. La yudhurukum they cannot harm you in any way. Idahtadaytum as long as you rightly follow the right guidance that Allah Ta'ala has revealed to you. So this ayah sometimes is also something, this is Surah Al-Ma'idha, verse number 105. This is an ayah that sometimes people recite for protection if they feel that an unbeliever enemy is about to attack them in some way. But you can only recite this ayah with confidence if if you had been a person who was following the Hidayah of Quran and Sunnah, and if there was a person who wasn't praying and wasn't fasting, how could they recite this ayah for the sake of protection? Because Allah Ta'ala has made the protection that, that those who are astray cannot harm you at all, contingent upon what? Idahtadaytum, provided that you rightly follow the guidance. Right? So Allah Ta'ala has put things, many, many, saving features and protective features in deen of Islam for those people who follow the deen. You can also think that any amil, any black magician can do nothing to you if you rightly follow guidance, because the person who is doing black magic is also mandalla, is also such a person who is astray. So you could recite this ayah. But if you, we find the people in Pakistan who don't follow deen, don't follow sharia, don't follow sunnah, when they have the fear that the black magician is on them, right, they go and try to find some counterspell. And it's actually the Quran also has defined what human emotions is going to be. Emotionally, only that person who is idahtadaytum is going to feel that tawakkul and trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will safeguard them. And that person who is not having the itminan and barakat of following deen, they won't feel that Allah ta'ala is sufficient to safeguard them because they know deep down inside they have a guilty conscience that they haven't made themselves into that type of insan that attracts the mercy and protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore they'll be running around to all types of people trying to get all types of amulets and recite all types of spells and do all types of incantations and go to all types of alternative methods of spirituality. Quran al-Kareem and deen of Islam and deen of Islam is kamil and mukammal. There is no need for any type of recourse to any type of new age, third, new age spirituality. The Quran al-Kareem has everything that is sufficient. Illallah, the Quran and Sunnah has everything that is sufficient. Illallahi marji'ukum. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the place of all of your return, jamia and entirely. For yunabbi'ukum bima kuntum ta'malun. And after that return, at the advent of that return, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inform each and every one of you about each and everything that you used to do. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu shahadatun. 
بَيْنَكُمْ إِذَا حَضْرَ أَحَدُكُمُ الْمَوْتُ هِنَ الْوَسِيَّةِ اثْنَانِ ذَوَا عَدْلٍ مِّنْكُمْ أَوْ آخِرَانِ أَوْ آخِرَانِ مِنْ غَيْرِكُمْ إِنْ أَنْتُمْ ذَرَبْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَأَصَابَتْكُمْ مُصِيبَةُ الْمَوْتِ تَحْسِبُونَهُمَا مِنْ بَعْدِ الصَّلَاةِ فَيُقْسِمَانِ بِاللَّهِ إِنْ ارْتَبْتُمْ لَا نَشْتَرِي بِهِ ثَمَنًا وَلَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرْبَى وَلَا نَكْتُمُ شَهَادَةَ اللَّهِ إِنَّا إِذَلَّ مِنَ الْآثِمِينَ This is actually an ayah that is mentioning once again the ahkam of wasiyah. And I mentioned to you earlier that this requirement to do wasiyah is abrogated after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the particular shares of inheritance that different people will be given. So I will just translate this for you and go on. Do you believe when death comes or seems to approach one of you, then let there be witnesses amongst you at the time of at the time when you make the wasiyah or the bequest or the legacy, and who should witness that to just individuals from amongst you, or to others from any different people, if a fatal calamity befalls you, while you are traveling the earth. In other words, if you are traveling, then you may not be able to find two just witnesses from your own community or from your own people, because you're traveling somewhere else, and if a calamity befalls you, you feel that you are, you've been afflicted with a an illness that will lead to your death and at that moment you hadn't yet made your wasiyah so you should make your bequest and then pick any two people from even that community to be as a witness if you are in doubt then detain the two after prayer and let them swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you are in doubt about how true they are then you should make them فَيُقْسِمَانِ billahi that you should make them take qasim in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you are in a state of doubt concerning them And you should let them swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the swear that they will make? This is, quote, لَا نَشْتَرِي بِهِ ثَمَنًا وَلَا كَانَ ذَا End quote. So this is the, uh, sorry, and, and it continues, وَلَا نَكْتُمُ شَهَادَةَ اللَّهِ إِنَّا إِذَا لَمِنَ الْآثَمِينَ This is the quote, this is the swear, the oath that should be taken from them. What is that? The social person should be made to swear that, oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are not taking any payment from this. لَا نَشْتَرِي بِهِ ثَمَنًا We take no payment, no monetary compensation for this oath, this act of witnessing that we're about to do, even if, even if it was a relative. Even were it to be a relative. And we will never ever hide the evidence that is due to, his, the right which is due to Allah subhanahu that we always testified according to that evidence. Were we to do so, then we acknowledge that we would be Athameen, we would be grave sinners. So take a custom from them in that way. What does it mean? It means that so you're traveling somewhere and you get two people to witness your bequest. They could easily change it, right? You are, you know, traveling, you're in Hong Kong and you are afflicted with an illness and you want to leave some instructions behind. So you find two people. Now, well, how do you know that those two people will accurately convey the instructions back to the, your family in Lahore? So here, this is an Islamic thing and this has come once before I think in Quran is going to come a few times again. Qasim. That when you want a person amongst the believers, when you want to be sure of them, you can ask them to take an oath in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now of course, there may be still be people who are so evil or so distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that them taking an oath in the name of Allah won't stop them from lying or injustice or fabrication. But the notion is, again, the Qur'an is a book written or a book sent down for believers. And it can teach a believers how to make a community of believers. So if it was a community of believers, any two people who took this oath, they would feel themselves not to be bound by this oath, 
and they would not alter that person's bequest in any way whatsoever. All right. فَإِنْ أُثِرَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ مَسْتَحَقَّ إِثْمًا فَآخَرَانِ يَكُومَانِ مَقَامُهُمَا مِنَ الَّذِينَ اسْتَحَقَّ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَوَّلِ مِنَ الَّذِينَ اسْتَحَقَّ عَلَيْهُمُ الْأَوْلَيَانِ فَيُكْسِمَانِ بِاللَّهِ لَشَهَادَتُنَا أَحَقُّ مِنْ شَهَادَتِهِمَا وَمَا اَعْتَدَيْنَا إِنَّا إِذَا لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ if you find that the two of them, or if the two of them are found out, the two people who witnessed and took that oath, if you are found that they actually were on a sin, if they commit a sin, then فَآخِرَانِ Then you should find two others than them, يُكُمَانِ مَقَامُهُمَا That they will take the place of the first two. And what will you do? You will take the same uh, oath from them, but you will make them swear an additional thing. And what is that quote? That means that our testimony is truer than the testimony of those two. And we have not transgressed. For indeed, were we, be, were we to transgress and be unjust, then we would be wrongdoers. Alright? That this is even better and more suitable and more equitable, that they should give testimony correctly. Or they would fear oaths would be taken after their oaths. So be, have taqwa for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and listen, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not guide wallahu la yahdil qawm al-fasikeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not guide a community of sinners. All right. Here, some of the books of tafsir mention different incidents in which certain people were untrue to their testimony. And specifically, there's an incident of two Sahaba Ikram who had not yet accepted Islam, and they were actually Christians at that time. And another Sahaba was traveling in their community, and at that time, he felt that he was in a sickness or in the throes of death, so he left to see it to them. But the two, those two mis, misrepresented and misappropriated the wealth that he left behind them. Alright, it's a very long incident. I don't think it's anything that you need, need to know because like I told you, this hukam is no longer there. You don't have to leave a wasiyat when you're about to pass away because Allah Ta'ala has already laid out what the shares of inheritance will be when a person passes away. This was the early period of Islam before those ayat which we did with you earlier in which Allah Ta'ala stipulated the shares of inheritance. The interesting thing only to note here, right, is that if you find two people to be guilty, of a transgression or violation of their testimony, what you could say something like in English they call perjury, then you now have to get two more people to take their place and they must once again witness and testify to that act, whether that act is an act of bequest or these rules could apply to other financial transactions that require two male witnesses. For you could now hear the Spantals mentioning another topic now, what's going to happen on the Day of Judgment, and how Allah Spantals is going to call all of the Anbiya, and what conversation is going to take place between Allah Spantals and all of the Anbiya about each and every one of those Nabi's respective communities. Yawma yajmullahu rasulullah, remember that day when Allah Spantals will gather all of the Prophets and Messengers, wa yuqulu, and Allah Spantals will say, Mada ujibtum, kalu, la ilmalana, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ أَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to gather all the prophets and ask them, 
that what was the response that you were given? How did your communities respond to you? Qalu, each and every one of those prophets will say, La ilma lana, we have no idea what happened after we passed away, how those communities responded after we passed away to our prophet and prophecy. Innaka anta allamul ghayyub, that Allah SWT, indeed you and you alone are allamul ghayyub, you and you alone have knowledge of the unseen. This ayah is important because there are some people who seem to suggest that other people also have as much ilmul ghayb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here the Quran is making it clear that Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone knows the unseen. Even the anbiya don't know what their communities, what happens to their communities afterwards. So if, if the anbiya are being referred to in Quran, right? So those people ask the question, they ask it very emotionally, sincerely. That, let's say somebody's mother passes away and they ask, does my mother know what I'm doing? Does my mother know what's happening with me? Does my mother continue to see everything that I do? Does she know everything that will happen in my life? Now if Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran that the Anbiya are saying, right? That the Anbiya are saying, La ilma lana, that we have no knowledge whatsoever about what transpired in our communities after we passed away from this earth. And they're telling Allah SWT, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ أَلَّامُ الْخُيُوبِ So that would suggest that if Anbiya don't know about their ummatis after those Anbiya pass away, then that means that our parents or our beloved ones, dearly departed ones, do not know what is going on with us when they pass away. Alright. At the same time, Allah SWT has given a special feature to Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, And that is that Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, as well as the Siddiqeen and the Shuhada, are aware of what of not everything, they're aware of selected things that transpire in the proximity of their resting place. So it doesn't mean that Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam or any Nabi in their grave or any Siddiq in their grave or any Shaheed in their grave can hear the traffic or hear all types of tumultuous noises, no. But certain things, Allah Ta'ala, it's sort of a curtain, and the control of that curtain lies with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. What are some of those things? So first thing is that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu mentioned clearly in hadith, that when any one of his ummah will ever come to visit him after he passes away, to make ziyara and say salam to him, he will hear the salam of his ummati who comes to say salam to him. Similarly, if any one of his ummatis comes to say anything to him, in terms of a conversation, not dua, Dua is made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you go to Medina Manawra, whatever it would have been permissible to say to Sayyidina Rasulullah if you had met him on the surface of this earth, it is permissible to say to him after he has passed away from this earth. For example, you can recite the kalima and ask Sayyidina Rasulullah that I want you to bear witness and testify to my kalima on the Day of Judgment. You can ask the Prophet for those things that are in his ability and his ikhtiyar, such as shifa'at. That Ya Sayyidina Rasulullah I'm your Ummati and I've come here to Medina Manawra. I came to do Umrah or Hajj, however the case may have been in Makkah Makarama. And I've come to do Ziyara and offer you my Salaam. And I ask that on the Day of Judgment when you're doing Shifa of the members of your Ummah, that you include me in the members of the Ummah that you make Shifa for. Right? So, so things like that. Right? Things like that you can say and the Karim Sassam would be aware of that. But every single thing that is happening in the Ummah, the Prophet does not know that. The Prophet does not know every single thing that is happening in the Ummah. Some people have even go so, gone so far to suggest that Nabi Karim Wasallam and the Awliya, who have passed away, every night they have a council. And they get together and they review everything that happened in the Ummah that day. There is no such basis for that. 
belief. There is no such basis for that belief. Alright? But again, the awliyaullah are like, are in the category of siddiqeen. The true awliyaullah, awliya kamilin, are amongst the siddiqeen, and the siddiqeen and the shuhada are like the anbiya in the sense that they retain some sense of life, some sense of sentience at their resting place. So when a person goes to them, right, and again, recites some Quran, they can feel that. Make some dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them, they can feel that. And maybe make, says something to them that would have been permissible to say in real life. So that's not worship. It would, just like it was not permissible to worship them in, when they were alive on the face of this earth, it is not permissible to worship them in any way when they were resting in their graves. But any statement that was made, they may be able to feel that. Then people ask the question, that, okay, what about my mother or father? If I go to the grave, can I say something to them? Would they know? Definitely if you recite Quran, they can feel it. If you make dua, they can feel it. You do any ibadah as isal swab, they can feel it. Are they aware of what everybody says to them? Allah knows best. We don't know definitively the answer to that question. Because number one, we don't know definitively about anybody's parents per se, whether they are amongst the siddiqeen. This much we know, they're not from the nabeen. And pretty much most of you, they're not from the shuhada. It means those actual shuhada. One is the people who are raised with the subhab of shuhada, people who die in accidents, that's separate. This issue of balhum ahya'un in the law, that is for the actual real shuhada who offered their life for the sake of the deen of Islam. Right? But, uh, that said, there wouldn't be, there's at the same time, there is no harm or prohibition in sharia that if you were to say to any parent or dearly departed beloved one at the grave, anything that would have been permissible to say to them in real life, it would be permissible to say to them at the grave, Allah knows best whether they're able to hear it or not. Okay? Alright. So on that day of judgment, then well, now after that, after all the prophets are gathered and Allah Ta'ala asks them this question, Mada ajibtum? And then all the prophets respond, La ilma lana innaka anta allama ghuyub. Then Allahu ya Isa ibn Maryam. Then when Allah Subhanahu specifically called to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, Udhkur ni'mati alayka wa ala walidataka. That remember the blessing and bounty and special favor I placed on you that you were born of this immaculate conception. And the special favor and blessing I put on your mother. As we did earlier, Allah says that He has chosen Sayyidatana Maryam over all of the women of all of the worlds. So Allah subhanahu wa asked them. And then Allah ta'ala will remind about And then He will say, and remember when I assisted you with Ruhul Qudus, so that is Jibreel alayhi salam. And to kallimun nasa fil mahdi wa kahla. And that you were speaking to humanity from the cradle and also in your old age, all, all the way up to your seniority age, up to the grave. وَإِذْ أَلَّمْتُكَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالْتَوْرَةَ وَالْإِنْجِيلَ And that I taught you, Sayyidina Isa, some kitab and hikmah and Torah and injil, tafsir, this we did earlier. وَإِذْ تَخْلُكُ مِنَ التِّينِ so here Allah Subhanahu is mentioning all of the things that Sayyidina Isa did. And he's going to add the word bi'idhni here. means by the permission of Allah, by the command of Allah, by the decree of Allah Subhanahu Right? This is all the incidents that we have discussed earlier. What is it that number one, that Allah Subhanahu is saying that when you fashion the figure of the bird, right, and then from clay, and then by, by the permission of Allah subhanahu then you breathe into it, and it became a real living bird, فَتَكُونُ تَيْرًا A real living bird, بِإِذْنِ With the will and permission decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَتُبْرِئُ الْأَكْمَهَ وَالْأَبْرَسَ 
bi'idhni, and you were able to cure and heal the blind and the leper, bi'idhni, with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bi'idhni, and then you were able to revive the dead, or literally raise the dead, but revive the dead, by my permission, Allah ta'ala saying, with kafaftu bani Israel anka, idh jittuhum bil bayyanati, فَقَالُوا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ And then Allah Ta'ala saying that I kept away the Bani Israel from harming you in any way when you brought to them the clear and manifest bayanat proofs and signs of your nubuat. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that what did the unbelievers say when they saw your bayanat? They said that إِنَّ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ That this is nothing other than magic. وَإِذْ أَوْحَيْتُ إِلَى الْحَوَارِيِّينَ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِي then Allah Ta'ala says, and remember, all of this is being addressed to Sayyidina Isa And then when we inspired your Hawariyin, those were the true Sahaba, true followers and companions of Sayyidina Isa that they should have Iman be in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, in me, وَبِرُسُولِي and in my Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. قَالُوا آمَنَّا And all of your righteous companions, Hawariyin, all of them said, آمَنَّا that we believe. وَشْهَدْ بِأَنَّنَا مُسْلِمُونَ And they said that, Ya Allah, we want you to bear witness and testify that we have surrendered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what else did they say? إِذْ قَالَ هَوَارِيُّونَ And then your noble and righteous companion said to you, Ya Isa ibn Maryam, O Isa ibn Maryam, هَلْ يَسْتَتِيءُ رَبُّكَ أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ عَلَيْنَا مَاِدَةً مِنَ السَّمَاءِ So this word, ma'ida, this word is the reason why the surah has been named Suratul Ma'ida. Alright, what did they say? They said to Sayyidina can your Rabb, and this again is not the good language here, the same thing that the Banisha Musa did. They should say our Rabb, right? But here again they're using the word, Rabbuka, your Rabb. Can your Rabb send down upon us Ma'idatam min samai Literally it means a table spread, right? It means a table spread laden with edible items from, from above. So what did Sayyidina Isa respond to them? Qala Sayyidina Isa respond to them, Ittakullaha in kuntum mu'mineen. That you should fear Allah SWT. What type of request are you making? In kuntum mu'mineen. If indeed you are truly believers. But what did they respond? They said, Laqalu, the, his Hawariyun responded back to him, that nuridu an na'kula minha, that our intention and desires that we want to eat from the edible items that are come down on such a table spread. Why? Watatma'inna kulubana. So that our hearts may become satisfied and content. And, وَنَعْلَمَا أَنْ قَدْ صَدَقْتَنَا And so that we may know that indeed you have told us the truth. وَنَكُونَ عَلَيْهَا مِنَ الشَّاهِدِينَ And then after that, then indeed we will also become shahideen. We will be witnesses on that truth that you have sent to us. So here, you saw a similar word here earlier when we did the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam and the Bani Sattatma إِنَّ كُلُوبَنَا there we told you that when Sayyidina Musa Islam made this dua that he wanted to see Allah SWT, that itminanakal wasn't to increase his iman or yakin, he had yakin. That was just for his enjoyment. In this case, however, the harayu, hawariyun, the companions of Sayyidina Islam are using the same words because they're saying that we're not going to believe with absolute certainty. We need some miracle like this. Now the problem is they've already seen the miracles. They've already seen Sayyidina Islam curing the blind. They've already seen him curing the leper. They've already seen him doing all these other things, right? But they felt still that we will do it. And then, and then, so they're making their iman conditional on this. If that happens, وَنَعْلَمَا And then we will know that you have spoken truly. And then once we have known you have spoken truly, then وَنَكُونَ عَلَيْهَا مِنَ الشَّاهِدِينَ Then we will be ones who bear witness to it. 
So Kala Isa ibn Maryama, so Sayyidina Isa Islam responded, and what did he say? Allahumma, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma Rabbana, O Allah, O our Rabb, anzil anayna ma'idatam minas sama'i, send down to us a table spread from the realms that lie above. Takuna lana eidan, yes, to be an eid for us, to be a moment of rejoicing and celebration and happiness and festivity for us. Le'awwalina wa akhirina, so that it may be an Eid for us, the first of us and the last of us, and wa'ayatam minka, and let it be a clear and manifest sign from you. In other words, that indeed you exist and that I am indeed the prophet, the, your prophet. Warzukna, and grant us sustenance by means of that. Wa'anta razikin, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed you are the best of providers and nurses. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa said, Inni munazziluha alaykum. Indeed, I will send it down upon you, this mina. Famayin yakfur ba'da minkum. And whosoever still disbelieves in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after this from any one of you, fa'inni u'adhibuhu azaban la u'adhibuhu ahadam min al-alameen. Allahu Akbar kameera. That know that indeed I will inflict a punishment on such a person, such a punishment. Allah Ta'ala saying that never have I ever punished anyone from all of the alameen as I will punish that person. So this is also the rupt is before. Remember when Allah Ta'ala was telling Allah Dinaman, don't ask these questions? Because if you ask questions, if Allah Ta'ala chooses to grant your questions, sometimes that comes with a cost. So Allah Ta'ala, the Hawarian asked this question, that send us down this maida. Allah Ta'ala granted them their question. Answer but came at such a cost that now, after seeing the clear and manifest proof of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's even willing to answer your request, why is this? Because they could have said that, okay, Isa curing the blind leper was his own magic. How do we know that's something that Allah Ta'ala sent down to him? Right? And that's what He said, that some of them said that this is just Sahra Mabin, this is just a clear magic. But now if we specifically say that you should ask Allah for this and then it happens, we will say that it's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually did Himself. Right? But so this is the price that these questions have. This is the price of these questions. And the, some Muslims misunderstand their deen in this way and they think that, okay, you know, this is what we all say, wo kabu nahi hona chahte. Because they think that kabu na aane se bach jayenge. Kabu na aane se koi nahi bachna. You understand? They say that I don't want to learn because if I learn, then I'm going to have to do it. You are liable to do it. Whether you learn it or not, it's not going to save you. Right? You are liable to do it. It's like the student saying, I'm not going to come to class because if I come to class, then I'll know the material and then I'll be liable for the exam. The professor would say, even if you don't come to class, you're still liable for the you'll still get an F. <laughs> right? But people think like that about Islam. And some people stay away from religious talks together because they think that if I go and then I know, if I go and then I know, then I'll be a sinner. No, if there's something Allah Ta'ala wants us to do and we don't do it, we'll be a sinner. At most, actually, it's the other way around. If we don't go, then I choose deliberately not to know. I'll be a double sinner because not only didn't I do it, but then I chose not to learn the hidayah that Allah Ta'ala wanted me to have. Allah Ta'ala put a system of God. And that's exactly what we say. We'll give you an F for the exam and we'll give you an F in your attendance marks. You'll get two Fs. You'll get a zero in the instrument that is called your exam and you'll get a zero in attendance. You'll get a zero in class participation, right? You'll get additional zeros. So we shouldn't think, and you know, and some of them, you know, may be misled by the story. So no, we shouldn't think like that. And it's never too late to learn. 
It's never too late to make tawbah from this. Even if a person is 80 years old, and for 80 years of their life, they stayed away from the teachings of the deen. No problem. They can make tawbah to Allah and start learning, and start practicing, and one would hope that if they're sincere in their practice thereafter, and they're sincere in their repentance for what went before, Allah Ta'ala can forgive everything that went that went from before. Alright? Okay, but this is a very intense ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem. Allahu Akbar. فَإِنِّي أُؤَذِّبُهُ أَذَابًا لَا أُؤَذِّبُهُ أَحَدًا مِّنَ الْآلَمِينَ Allahu Akbar. And now then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to address Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا Isa. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا Isa ibn Maryam, أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَا إِلَاهَيْنِ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ That did you tell humanity, did you tell people, quote, take me and my mother as two gods other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Of course, obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this answer. But this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the itmami hujjah, on the day of judgment, in front of all the Christians, Allah ta'ala is going to ask Sayyidina Isa himself, that did you ever tell any human being to do this? So what Sayyidina Isa going to Sayyidina Isa is going to respond, Qal, Subhanaka, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are all, flawless are you, way beyond are you, that anyone, even I, should ever deign or ever dare to tell anyone that they should worship me and worship my mother. Subhanaka, Allah ta'ala, you are pure and above and beyond any such attribution, any such association, any such partnership of me and my mother should also have been worshipped with you. Subhanaka. Ma yukunu li an akula ma laysali. It does not befit me, it's impossible for me to say that which is not entitled to me. There's no way I could have ever said this. Alright? Ma laysali bihaqqin. In kuntu kultuhu faqad alimtahu. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed, if I had said that statement, faqad alimtahu, then also you would know it. He's saying, look, if I had done it, you would know that I had done it. Meaning, say, say, Psalm is trying to say that, you know I never said it. <laughs> you know I never said it, because if I had ever said it, you would certainly know that I had said it. And I would never be so daring to pretend to you that I didn't, because I know you were the being who knows everything. Alright. Ta'lamu ma fi nafsi. Ya Allah, you know every single thing that is inside me. So you would know whether I ever said it, and you would also know if I ever felt it. You would know, if I had ever said it, you would know it. And if I had ever even felt it, you would know it. You know what everything that is inside of me. Wala a'lamu ma fi nafsika. And ya Allah, I don't know at all. Literally means what is inside of you. Right? And that doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it means that what is, this, the ilm that resides in your zat, I have no idea. It also means that Allah ta'ala, I don't know what your irada is right now in asking me this question. Say so is going to say. Right? I don't know what, what, what is your irada at this moment. What is your intention, your will and wish with me? I'm completely feeble. You know, Sayyidina Isa is presenting himself in absolute humility and subjugation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's presenting himself as a complete abd in absolute ubudiyah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innaka anta allamul ghayub. Same sentence again. But now just Sayyidina Isa is saying it. You, you are, you and you alone are all knowing Allah. You are all knowing, intensely knowing Al-Ghuyub of all of the things that are ghayb. Ma kultuluhum. I didn't say to them, illa ma amartani bihi, except that which you commanded me to say to them. 
anibudul and what was that anibudullah that they should worship allah rabbi and i used to tell them quote anibudullah that you that they should worship allah subhanahu rabbi who is my rabb wa rabbukum and is your rabb and he used to talk to the people wa kuntu alayhim shahida wa kuntu alayhim shahida ma dumtu fihim and indeed i was a witness over them as long as i was with them as long as I remained in them, right? Again, this is that same thing that the Anbiya, what I told you, the Anbiya know everything their Ummah is doing when they're with their Ummah. Even in that sense, it doesn't actually mean, in that sense, right? It doesn't mean that Sayyidina Sallallahu knew everything every Sahaba did every second. That doesn't mean that either, right? But Shahida means, you know, maybe we can put this for you, uh, that Sayyidina Islam is saying that I, you know, I was a witness to everything that they did, right? I was... I was, yeah, I was a witness to what they did when I was amongst them from the living. Okay? Ma'adum tufi, as long as I remain amongst them. فَلَمَّا تَوَفَيْتَنِي And whenever you took me up. So again here, right? It's referring to the same thing I mentioned to you. The same Isa has been raised up by Allah And when you took me up, كُنْتَ أَنْتَ الرَّقِيبَ عَلَيْهِمْ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was you who was watching over them. Since, ever since, and ever since, you took me up, then kunta anta rakiba alayhim, then it is you who is watching over them. So all I can say is I never said it to them when I was with them. Whatever they did after you took me up to you, that you were rakib. Rakib again I did for you before. Intensely vigilant. Extremely watchful. Wanta ala kulli shayin shaheed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are that being who is watching and is a witness to each and everything, to all things. After all of this, after submitting himself in absolute ubudiyah, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, he is true to his ummah. Every Nabi has this incredible feature, that no matter how disloyal their ummah is to them, no matter how astray their ummah goes to them, they still feel liable and responsible and loving for their ummah. So after responding with all of this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what does Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam say in this most famous ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem, Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 118, فَإِنَّهُمْ إِبَادُكَ That, O oh Allah, if you choose to punish them for these things that they said, that they worship me and they worship my mother, Satan, the Maryam, Madatana, if you choose to punish them, فَإِنَّهُمْ إِبَادُكَ Then surely each and every one of them is your servant and slave. Means you're absolutely right and free. You are the Malik and they are your Ibad. You are the master and they are your slaves. But then he squeezes in a little dua for them. وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ Ya Allah, and were you, however, were you to forgive them, فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْأَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are, that you remain, what does it mean now? You would think, right? This is the marifat of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. If it was one of us, we would have said, وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْغُفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Right? Right? We would have said, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَفُوُنْ كَرِيمُ that even if you forgive them, you will remain almighty and all wise. Your kibriyai and azmat will be at par, whether you punish them or whether you forgive them. So your majesty and might as Malik was not touched even at all, was not even scratched by what these people used to say. And if you forgive them, it will not in any way stop you from being al-Aziz al-Hakim. Allahu Akbar. Even at the end, Sayyidina Isa is continuing in his ubudiyah and making an appeal to the azmat and kibriyai of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you were to forgive them, then indeed you are al-azizul-lakim. 
And many reports say that Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam used to recite this ayah over and over in tajud and cry for his ummah. And many of the awliya, sulaha, siddiqeen, mujtahideen, mufassireen have recited this ayah in crying for the entire ummah. So Allah, if you punish them, the sinners of this ummah, right? That indeed it befits you, it is your complete right. Because they were your servants, they were your ibad, they were liable. They were liable to obey you and do what you wanted them to do and you were their malik. But if you forgive them, فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْأَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will always be and always remain almighty and all wise. So then, after all of this, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala respond to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam? قَالَ that this is that day that the sidq of the sadiqeen will benefit them, that the truth and sincerity of the true and sincere ones will be of benefit to them. That they will that they will have gardens underneath which rivers flow, and they will dwell therein forever. Radiallahu anhum waradhu an. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them. Waradhu anhu and they are pleased with Allah. Thalik al-fawzul azim. And that is really the greatest and most tremendous felicity and happiness and joy and success and attainment and accomplishment. That Allah ta'ala be pleased with the person and that a person be pleased with Allah. Lillahi mulku samawati wal ard. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone belongs the dominion and mastery of all of the realms above. Wal ard. And, that, and, and this earth that lies below and all that lies in of that and all that lies inside of all those realms and Allah SWT is all powerful over everything is capable of doing anything and every single thing alright So the lesson for us over here, right, is that, and you know, Mufassirun have not really said definitively that Allah subhanahu wa response, what does that mean? So this is sort of left hanging for us. You know, Allah subhanahu wa has given us that chosen out of His infinite mercy and wisdom to give us that much knowledge in Quran, that this conversation will take place, and at the end Sayyidina Isa Islam will make a bit, bit of a final plea, but this answer according to the stronger position, this answer, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, does not indicate whether he's going to punish them or whether he's going to forgive them, but rather is mentioning yet a different thing. This is not related to what just preceded it. Rather, it's mentioning something else that, okay, well, this group of people who are not of sadiqin, right, who weren't true and sincere to their deen and weren't true and sincere to the Prophet, what will happen to them? That's sort of a cliffhanger. That hasn't been answered. But Allah Ta'ala is saying definitively that what we can say definitively about that day is that will be such a day that the sadiqin, their sit will benefit them. Those who were true and loyal and loving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that truth and loyal and lovingness and sincerity will benefit them on that day. And the sadiqeen, lahum means the sadiqeen will have these gardens and and the sadiqeen are those people that radiallahu anhum waradhu an, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Next surah, surah number 6 of Quran al-Kareem.
Suratul An'am, and this again, interestingly, is the cattle. So here, this surah Mustafa Usmani mentions that was almost entirely sent down in Makkah Makkah at a single revelation. So many other surahs, and that's something we haven't been able to highlight for you, and that is a very detailed feature of Quranic studies in of itself, right? That which verse was revealed when, how many verses were revealed together, where were they placed, the ones that were placed along with it, how much after or sometimes how much before were they revealed, what is the rupt between these different set of verses. Sometimes the rupt is, it's a very difficult field because sometimes the verses, the chunks of verses that are placed with each other, the rupt is sometimes thematic, sometimes the rupt is chronological, sometimes the rupt, rupt means what's the nisbat, the, the relationship between them, right? The connection. Why did Allah put these two things together, right? At most we can do that a little bit, you know, I haven't even actually done that with you this time around, but sometimes at least we could have tried to do that to you between the surahs. So here, this surah is, is different in that sense that almost the entire surah was revealed in one shot, right? So there's no question of verses being placed before or after chronology themes. It was all revealed in one shot except for a few verses. And when was that? This was in Makkah Mukarramah when the Muslims were, uh, this is prior to the Hijra. By Makkah Makkah means prior to the Hijra, when the Mu'minin were facing a lot of persecution and oppression at the hands of the unbelievers. When they were really being, being given an extremely tough time. And to hear what Allah SWT is doing, Mufti Taki Usman is saying in the surah, is basically to establish the fundamental beliefs of religion and to refute the arguments, doubts, and objections that the unbelievers were raising against the religion. So therefore this surah will have basic issues such as Tawheed, Oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Risala, the messengership and prophet of Sayyidina Rasulullah life after death, and will answer all of the objections that the atheist pagans raised. So now you're not going to find discussion so much of the Ahl Kitab, but it's going to be more addressed towards the type of questions atheist pagans raised, pagan atheists raised, or pagan polytheists raised, raised, right? Some of them will be similar to questions that contemporary atheists raised, and also obviously some of the questions that early polytheistic communities have are quite different from the ones that contemporary atheists have. All right. Well, let's begin. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi alladhi khalaka samawati wal-arda wa ja'ala al-dhulumati wa Praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All praise lies for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Praise itself is only fitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That being who created all of the realms that lie above and this realm that is called the earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Darknesses and light. And then after that, those who disbelieve in their Rabb, those who disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do they do? Ya'dilun, they are people who ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Dhulamat here is in plural. Now here, this is not referring to that dhulamat in Nur, in which there's a dhulamat of sin and injustice and oppression and wrongdoing. Here it's referring to the physical creation of darkness. And it's suggesting here, and this is something that somebody who is in physics and optics would perhaps be able to understand and better explain. Dhulamat means that Allah Ta'ala has made physical multiple darknesses. Multiple darknesses. Multiple kinds of darkness. Right? Uh, and when Nur and Allah Ta'ala has made light, again here this is in singular. Right? Now, I don't know what that means, multiple type of darknesses. It may mean the night I mean, one example that can come to mind is the darkness in the depths of the sea. If you go to certain aquariums, you will find that they have these particular tanks of the very deep, deep, deep ocean fish. And when you go in there, that room is all dark. 
because they're used to the dark and they can't actually even handle a little bit of light. They have a little bit of light glowing from them and you basically go into this dark room and there are a few tanks there and you get to see those fish, right? So that is one type of darkness, right? And one can imagine a certainly, I can't even remember, but that submarine, there was some story of some submarine, right? So the depths of the darknesses at the bottom, bottom pits of the ocean, that is one type of darkness. One type of darkness could be the darkness in the black hole, right? One type of darkness could be the darkness of the night. One type of darkness could be the darkness of empty space, right? In other words, absence of light. Light is, seems to be some singular thing, nur, but absence of light can take many different ways. So here, that is one way to understand this, but it's being mentioned here. The point was to make sure that we highlighted that Zulamat here doesn't mean uh, injustices and oppression. Here, Zulamat means literally physical uh, different types of physical darknesses. All right. Some people translate, some of the Mufassirins say that that but those who disbelieve, they equate darkness and light with their rub. So what does that mean? That they worship the sun, right? Or they worship fire. And you find that, again, in the history of humanity, in terms of different types of uh, polytheistic religions, there was this notion of worshipping the light. There was this notion that when the dark comes, somehow their God has gone away. And then when light reappears, their God has reappeared. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that being who created you from earth, from clay, I explained this to you before, means created you, formed you, fashioned you from the periodic table of elements, i.e. the things, minerals and compounds and stuff that is found in the earth, and water also, by the way, comes from underground sources, so whether it's the water, the blood, the flesh, the meat, all of that is made up of things that are found in the earth, that is why we are biodegradable, that is why when we are buried in earth, we are biodegradable, because we are ourselves made from things that are in the earth. What does it mean that appointed for you a designated term? What does that mean that appointed for you a fixed period of life, your death? Number one, first of all, that, that you will die. It can be taken in the most simplest sense. Had decided that that creation will have a prescribed term, i.e. that death will overcome that creation. Death itself can be referred to and can also mean for every individual creation that a particular mudda or a particular time period has been prescribed for it. وَأَجُلُمْ مُسَمَّنْ إِنْدَهُ ثُمَّ أَنْتُمْ تَمْتَرُونَ And that there is a designated term for every person that is fixed, right, in, when the divine presence and the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and even then, then you doubt, right? ثُمَّ أَنْتُمْ تَمْتَرُونَ And yet, you still are people who are doubtful. وَهُوَ اللَّهُ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ And this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the realms that lie above and also on the earth. يَعْلَمُ سِرَّكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows your sir. وَجَهْرَكُمْ And your jahr means Allah ta'ala knows that which you keep secret and that which you proclaim. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَكْسِبُونَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows each and every single thing that you do and commit and you earn. وَمَا تَعْتِيهِمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ إِلَّا كَانُوا أَنْهَا مُؤْرِذِينَ And it's unfortunate that not no verse from the verses of Revelation comes to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that they are people who turn away from it, they are people who spurn it. And again here, ayah means, and you've seen when I've been translating this, ayah can mean verse, ayah can also mean command, and ayah can also mean sign. Alright? So yet whenever one of the verses of Revelation come, they turn away from it. Yet whenever one of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come to them and turn away from it. And it can also mean yet whenever one of the commands and injunctions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to them, they turn away from it. Alright. 
What have they done? Then how does Allah describe this? This act of turning away. فَقَدْ كَذَّبُوا بِالْحَقِّ So what they've done, they have falsified what is true. They have viewed as a lie that which is actually true. لَمَّا جَاءُهُمْ When the truth came to them. فَسَوْفَ يَعْتِيهِمْ أَمْبَاءُوا مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَحْزِئُونَ And surely soon will come such a day when that which they mock, yastazun, that which they mock and that which they jest at, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring literally news to them, right? Amba'u ma'kanu, news to them, but it means Allah ta'ala will bring a decisive news to them and explain to them what it was that they used to turn away and what it is that they used to mock and they used to jest. They will realize that it is in fact indeed the truth. Alam yarawkum, alam yarawkum, ahlakna min kablihim min have they not seen and reflected and noticed and taken heed from how many communities Allah Ta'ala is saying is we have destroyed prior to them? How many communities we have destroyed prior to them? These were communities that what? Makannahum fil ard. And Allah Ta'ala said these were communities that we ourselves had settled and populated on this earth. Malam numakkin lakum wa arsalna samaa alayhim midrara. That these were such communities that we'd established on earth with power that we have not given you. Malam numakin lakum. With such a power that we have not given you, all you people, to be able to do this. Where sanna sama'a alayhim madran. We sent from, down from the skies onto them torrents of rain. Waja'alna al-anhara tajri min tahtihim. And we had created rivers that flow underneath them. فَأَهْلَكْ نَاهُمْ بِذُنُوبِهِمْ But we destroyed them, annihilated them, punished them due to the sins that they used to commit. وَنْشَأْنَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ قَرْنًا آخَرِينَ And then we gave rise to, after that community that we destroyed, that we gave rise to yet other communities that were different from them. Alright. So here in the Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving a warning to those who deny the truth. Alright? But first Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the sequence and pattern by which we should know the truth, by the creation of what lies above in this earth, by darkness and light itself, right? And that Allah ta'ala is mentioning that He knows what we conceal and that which we reveal. All of this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to encourage a person or incite a person, right, to believe in Him. And again remember that this is specifically revealed at the time in Makkah Makarmah when the believers were being afflicted. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is soothing the believers that look Allah ta'ala knows that these people are disbelieving in your Prophet They're disbelieving in whatever signs or mu'jizat the Prophet is using. They're disbelieving even though they are seeing the same samawat and ard that you are. Right? And their disbelief and Allah ta'ala is saying that He knows everything that they proclaim and all that, they, that which they conceal. Alright. Now Allah SWT is mentioning earlier communities. Now, actually, Allah SWT is not going to do this to the mushrikeen of Makkah. Now, you would think that if, if we were in Makkah Makarram at the time this was revealed, and we were Sahaba, we would think that, okay, Allah SWT is telling them, right, that look, I've destroyed communities before, and we may actually start becoming hopeful that maybe Allah SWT will destroy them. But as all of you know, Allah SWT didn't do this. He did not send any adab on the unbelievers of Makkah Mukarramah, even at the height of their opposition to Islam, even at the height of their aggression to Islam, even at the height of their injustice to Islam. Several reasons that the Mufassirun have mentioned for this. Number one, hikms, wisdoms. 
Number one wisdom is that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to show this special hujjat and hujjat of deen of Islam, that it's not going to be established by inflicting a punishment. That Allah ta'ala sends a punishment on the unbelievers of Makkah Makarma and then all the pagan tribes of Arabia believe because they've seen that punishment. No. La ikraha fi deen. There will be no compulsion in deen even by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this case of the deen of Islam. Second is because whenever Allah Ta'ala did send a punishment on the previous communities, the entire communities were eradicated, and then the mission of that Prophet was finished. Whereas this is not going to be the case, because Sayyidina Rasulullah is Khatam and Nabi wal Mursaleen. He is the last and final Prophet and Messenger. So to eradicate the entire communities of Arabian Peninsula, who are unbelievers, would not make sense for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to do at this point. Another reason some of us students say is that because the Kaaba was there. The Kaaba was there, and even in the past, horrific things, horrific acts of worship, right? They had all types of impermissible worship, but Allah SWT is not going to annihilate a community because Allah Ta'ala said this was Qiyamun Linnas. It was a means of sustenance and sustaining humanity. Fourth reason is that because Sayyidina Rasulullah that also came earlier, that the Prophet is amongst you, right? So the very existence of Sayyidina Rasulullah amongst these people was actually was warded off the azab. Right? So, but Allah SWT is still saying that, okay, I mean, obviously they wouldn't have necessarily known that Allah is not going to punish them, but Allah SWT is mentioning that previous communities who were so disobedient and aggressive and unjust to the prophets that we sent to them, they even reached a point when we annihilated and destroyed those communities entirely. Alright. Now, let's read onward. Waqalu, so what... No. Walaw nazzalna we're one eye before that. Walaw nazzalna alayka kitabin fi kirtasin. That were we to send down upon you a scripture fi kirtasin means in 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 parchment, in shafts of parchment. You can think in a notebook, if we were to send down a written, tangible book of scripture down to you, Falamasuhu and they would touch it. With their own hands, still those who disbelieve would say that this is nothing other than magic. This we had discussed with you earlier. Then, so this is one objection that they used to have, that if this is really revelation, it should come down as it is. Why is it coming on his heart and he is reciting it? It should come down. There should be some holy book that comes down from the sky. So here, Allah SWT is responding and letting them, letting the Prophet and believers know that no, that's not why they're not believing. Because even if it was to come down, even if they touched it with their own hands, they would still disbelieve and they would simply just say this was a type of magic. Waqalu, a second thing that the unbelievers would say, Lawla unzila arehi malak, that okay, that why does an angel come down to him? Why is it that an angel means, him means Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. why does an angel come down to him? Right? In other words, they wanted to see the angel come to them. They wanted to see it. So here Allah SWT responds to them also, وَلَوْ أَنزَلْنَا مَلَكًا لَكُذِيَ الْأَمْرُ ثُمَّ لَا يَنْذُرُونَ That if we were to descend an angel, then a matter would be decided, and then, ثُمَّ لَا يُنْذُرُونَ Then they would not be given any muhla. What does that mean? That it would be too late. If we were to reveal the angels to them, and they would believe on that basis. So it's suggesting... That that would actually make them believe. But at that point it wouldn't be iman bil ghayb. It wouldn't be belief in the unseen. It would be pure demonstrable proof. Whereas sahaba ikram were believing without having seen these angels. Right? So thumma yunzarun means that they will not be given any respite. They will not be given any time to take iman because then the hujjat will be completed on them. 
So if we had sent down an angel, were we to make him an angel, we would surely make him a man. And then we would cast the same doubt upon them. We would cast the same doubt on them that they already have in their minds. And as if we were to send down an angel, we would send down the angel in human guise as a male, Rajul. Alright? This, by the way, may be, no need to, may be an ashara that angels are all masculine. Right? Maybe in Ashara also that angels are genderless, but when angels assumed human form, whenever they assumed a human form, they took the form of a man. Because to, in order to assume a human form, you must assume gender necessarily, because human beings are gender creation. Alright? Okay. What does this mean? This means that they would, we would cloak, we would have cloaked them in the same manner in which they have been cloaked. What does that mean? We would have cloaked them in the same doubt that they have chosen to cloak themselves in. Means that even were, so if we were, so if we had sent down an angel uncloaked, it would have sufficed to accomplish the task and they would have had, but it would have been too late for them because they would have believed in the unseen. Therefore, if we were to send it down as an angel, we would cloak it and veil it, perhaps by giving it this human guise, and then they would have remained in the same doubts that they would have. And Allah tells, consoling the Prophet that no, indeed, and they used to mock the messengers that came before you as well. And then what did Allah SWT do? So Allah SWT is saying that after they mocked those messengers that came earlier, Allah SWT is saying that those who, since, those who erred, those who mocked and sneered and scorned, they were surrounded by that which with they used to scorn. What does that mean? That they used to mock the messengers earlier, but the deen that those messengers brought used to end up surrounding them in any case. And that's exactly what's going to happen, right? In after Fatih Makkah, that the very same deen that these people are mocking at is eventually going to become the ghalib, triumphant deen that is going to take over all of the Arabian Peninsula and will surround all the remaining little pockets of pagan unbelievers that rem- remain. So then Allah SWT says that Go say to them, my beloved messenger, some travel on this earth and then you will gaze and reflect at what was the outcome and what was the end that Allah SWT made befall the muqaddibin, the people who have falsified and believed that, the, the, believed that uh, Allah SWT is a lie and the Quran is a lie and the prophets are lies and books are lies and there's no such thing in organized religion as a lie that you should travel the world and see what an end Allah SWT has afflicted on such people. Right? In Surah Sabah, Surah number 34, verse number 45, Allah SWT also mentions similar things about his retribution about on the, the communities that came before. Alright. This issue of angels, actually there was one of the Mushrikeen of Makkah who asked that why is it that an angel comes to you to deliver the message, why shouldn't the angel be the prophet? And if you tell us that there's an angel and that's the prophet, we're willing to accept a prophet who's an angel, we're not willing to accept a prophet who is a human. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying that in response to that, that if we were to send an angel down, then it would be too late for them. 
right? And secondly, if we were to make a prophet as an angel, we would still send that angel down in the guise of a human being in the form of a man. So even then they would have had the same objection that this is not an angel, but this is still just a man. All right. So say to them, my beloved Master Son, that indeed, to whom belongs what lies in the realms above and what is on this earth? Say to them that they belong exclusively and completely and absolutely to Allah SWT alone. But Allah SWT has, literally it means Allah has written on His self to mercy. So it means that Allah SWT has prescribed for Himself mercy. So this is a very, um, it's sort of in Arabic, it's a very explicit way that Allah SWT is just declaring that Rahmah is ghalib on him. And we did that when we explained to you Bismillah Rahman Rahim on the very first day. And this is another ayah that is mentioning it, that to Allah SWT belongs it. And what's the dominant sifat, what's the dominant attribute or characteristic in terms of the way Allah Ta'ala deals with and engages with everything that is on the Samawat and the earth? Rahmah. Mercy. Right? So literally it means, now some people have taken, you know, have asked this question, let me just answer because this is a question that modern students have, right? What did Allah SWT exist first in his Zat and then did later he create his Sifat? Right? So was he first Allah and then he made himself also a Rahman and then he made himself also a Khalik? No. Allah subhanahu wa just like his zat, his essence, his own being is pre-eternal, just like that all of his sifat are pre-eternal, he was always al-khaliq even before he ever created anything. He was always a samiyah before even there was any sound to listen to. He was always al-alim before there was anything other than him to quote-unquote know about. He was always al-basir or before there was anything other than him to look at. Because these were, these are what you can say, the closest you could say maybe in English, is these are intrinsic, inherent attributes in Allah SWT. So it's not that Allah SWT was something else and then He prescribed Rahmah for Himself. Allah SWT is Al-Rahim and Kataba Al-Nafsihi means that Allah has opted. On His own accord, He has chosen. That's what it means. He has opted and chosen on his own accord to make his sifat of rahmah, his attribute of mercy, the primary and dominant way with which he will engage and deal with his creation. On his own accord. Alright? Okay. And indeed, Allah SWT is saying that Allah SWT will gather each and every single one of you undoubtedly and assuredly on that day of judgment, la bafihi, about which there, concerning which there can be no doubt whatsoever. Alladina khasiru anfusahum fahum la yu'minun. And those who are causing themselves to fall into loss, then for such a people for whom la yu'minun, they are not believers in Allah SWT in any sense of the word. Khasara, you would say that they translate this word often as losers or loss. Khasara actually in Arabic refers to like a vacuum. It's a word that suggests that you are being from all six sides, front, back, left, right, left, top and bottom, sucked out. That's the type of loss. So like a vacuum or even like a black hole. Like the way light is lost in the black hole. That is what the Arabic word khasara means. It's a much more intense word in Arabic than the English word loss. 
You know, it's really absolute loss. Those who have caused absolute loss to their own souls, who have through their actions and chose, chosen to give their, end up, end up their souls in total and utter loss, فَهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ Those are the ones who have not believed in Allah subhanahu wa Alright? Those are the ones who have not believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَهُ مَا سَكَنَ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs each and everything that lies still during the night and the day. But sakana can also better be to be translated everything that resides in the night and everything that resides in the day. وَهُوْ سَمِيُّ الْعَلِيمِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all listening and all knowing. قُلْ Say to them, my beloved Master Salam, أَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ أَتَّخِذُوا أَتَّخِذُوا وَلِيًّا فَاتِرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ يُتْئِمُ وَلَا يُتْعَمْ قُلْ إِنِّي أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ أَوَّلَ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ So say to them, my beloved Messenger, that shall I take, other than Allah subhanahu wa should I take other than Allah subhanahu a wali, a protector, benefactor, patron, intimate, dear friend, that Allah who is Fatir al-Samawat, who was the creator of, and we did this before, the Jibbin al-Khalik and Fatir, we did that for you earlier, Fatir al-Samawat wal-Ard, so the creator of the realms that lie above and this earth, wa huwa yut'imu, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being, who gives to feed, who gives to eat, who gives sustenance, wa la yut'am, and is not in any need, and is not given provision and sustenance. Right? Alright. Say, go say to them, my beloved Messiah, inni umirtu, that I, indeed, I have been commanded, that I should be the first of those who submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah, and then the Bhikkhu says to them, and then tell them, that you should not be of, and you all should not be, and should not remain, and continue to be amongst the idol worshippers. Kul inni akhafu in asaytu rabbi, that say that I fear, indeed I fear, that if I were to disobey my Rabb, then what do I fear? I fear a tremendous punishment on the day of tremendousness. On that great and mighty and tremendous day, I fear a punishment on that day. مَنْ يُسْرَفْ أَنْهُ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ فَقَدْ رَحِمَهُ وَذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْمُبِينَ Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that if anyone is diverted, on that day. If that punishment is diverted from anyone on that day, then that is only and only due to the mercy of Allah subhanahu Man yusraf anhu means that adab of that yumul adim. That if that incredible punishment is diverted from any single person on that day, فَقَدْ رَحِمَهُ Then it is only because Allah Ta'ala's mercy has fallen on that person. وَذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْمُبِينَ And getting the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala on such a tremendous day, that is the ultimate, that is the clear and manifest, evident foes and success and felicity and salvation. So here Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is saying in Qur'an al-Kareem, declaring it in Qur'an, but also telling Sayyidina Rasulullah the style of Qur'an by Qul, declaring it in Qur'an, but also telling Sayyidina Rasulullah to declare it explicitly, that no one will be saved from punishment on that day except by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that the Prophet mentioned in hadith as well, that no one will enter jir- no one will enter Jannah except by the mercy of Allah. There's no one who is worthy. In other words, there's nobody who can live a life such that they appear before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment that on, on the basis of merit they will be admitted into Jannah. There's no human being like that. 
everyone will be admitted to Jannah on the basis of their mercy. They may attract that mercy of Allah SWT on the basis of some merit in terms of their iman and their ikhlas and their adab and their akhlaq and their ibadah and their amal salih. That will be a merit-based attraction of the mercy of Allah, but the mercy of Allah SWT will be what ultimately enables a person to enter into Jannah. And one way some of the ulama have mentioned that Allah Ta'ala will manifest that mercy, He will issue His command, Kun. And Fayakun, Kun, be pure enough to enter Jannah. Fayakun, that person will be made now pure enough. That's why Allah Ta'ala says in Quran when He's talking about the disbelievers, and we did an ayah like that earlier, Wala yuzakkihim. Allah Ta'ala will not purify them on that day. So that suggests that those who will enter Jannah will be purified on the Day of Judgment by a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that proceeds and emanates from His mercy. And when His mercy envelops them, then they will be pure enough to enter into Jannah. Otherwise, it means inherently that every human is actually worthy of punishment in the sense that we have not worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he deserves to be worshipped. We have not known him as he deserves to be known. We have not loved him as he deserves to be loved. We have not been loyal to him as he deserves to be loyal to. Alright? Okay. And the rubbed here, now what is the, the good point for you to see? So what you're supposed to do is see Fakad Rahimahu. But in your mind was supposed to be what? Kataba Allah Nafsihi Rahma. So if you put these two things together, right? When Allah SWT has already said, when Allah Subhanahu has just said, "Kataba huh? Allah Nafs, Kataba and then later he says that everybody is, nobody is going to enter except by the mercy of Allah. But Allah has already said that He has chosen of His own accord. He's committed Himself. He has committed Himself to Rahma. He's committed already. He's committed to that Rahma that will enable a person to save themselves from the punishment of Allah Subhanahu and enter into Jannah. So, what more can Allah Subhanahu say to us? All we have to do then is do those little small actions that will invite and attract the mercy of Allah SWT upon us. Alright? Okay. Ma'im mm. yas وَإِنْ يَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِذُرٍ That if Allah SWT literally means makes the slightest of harm touch you, it means if Allah SWT afflicts you with any type of harm, فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُ There is no being kashif who can take it away, who can remove it, who can lift that harm away, إِلَّا هُ This is an ayah that you can recite, that if you ever feel that you've been afflicted with anything, Right? Any adversity, any envy, any jealousy, any difficulty, right? Well, Allah SWT is saying that the only فَلَاكَ شِفَ لَهُ إِلَّهُ That there is no being, no power, no might, no process, no way that that harm can be alleviated or uplifted and removed from us إِلَّهُ Except if Allah SWT wishes and wills and decrees. And if Allah Ta'ala causes some good to befall you, sends some virtue and nobility, excellence and favor upon you, that know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has power over every single thing, is capable of each and every single thing. Alright, this is a new word that you've had here for the first time here. Qahir and Qahar 
Qahir and Kahar means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has overwhelmed, the power to overwhelm. Don't know how he's translated it for you. Oh. Overwhelm, the ability to overwhelm and dominate. The ability to overwhelm and dominate. How is Mufti Taki Sab translated Qahir? Those of you who have it. Dominate, okay. To overwhelm and dominate. he that he is above. Now again, this does not mean physically above. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defies physicality and physical direction. he is that his might and power and dominion and domination and overwhelming is mm, in terms of stature, in terms of rank, is, is above each and every one of his ibad, of his servants and slaves. And Allah subhanahu is all wise and all aware. He is all-wise and all-aware. He is Al-Hakim, all-wise in what He has decreed for you to do. And Al-Khabir, He is all-aware of what you choose to do. He is Al-Hakim, all-wise in what He has ordered you to do. And He is Al-Khabir, He is all-aware of what you choose to do. Alright? Kul ayyu shay'in akbaru shahada. That what is there that could be even greater, uh, that could greater bear witness or greater, could be greatest, greater as evidence? Kulillah. Shahidum baini wa bainakum. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is witness between me and you. So this is the process I'm specifically addressing. The mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be a witness between me and you. Wa uhiya ilayya hadal Quran. So the Prophet is being told that address these people and say, and this Quran has been revealed ilayya to me. Li'unzirukum bihi. So that I may warn you and instill fear in you by means of this Quran. Mamam balagh. And everyone who, to whom this Qur'an al-Karim reaches should also be, uh, receive that warning and admonition. أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَشْهَدُونَ أَنَّ مَا اللَّهِ إِلَاهَةً أُخْرَى And is it that you, you wish to testify and witness and claim that along with Allah SWT there is some other deity, some other God? كُلَّا أَشْهَدْ That I will never ever bear witness to such a thing, testify to such a thing, acknowledge such a thing. إِنَّمَا هُوَ إِلَهُ وَاحِدٌ Say to them, my Prophet ﷺ, that indeed, Allah huwa, that that Allah SWT is إِلَهُ wahid is one God. وَإِنَّنِي بَرِيءٌ مِمَّا تُشْرِكُونَ And tell them that I, Prophet ﷺ, indeed, I am bari, I am completely absolved of all of those partners that you ascribe and associate to Allah SWT. Right? So here Allah SWT is giving very strong words for Sayyidina Rasulullah and how to address the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarimah. Alright, we'll pause over here and take a short break. So we're at Surah Al-Anam, verse number 19 completed. We will resume with verse 20, inshallah.
I'm actually now going to just read you the translation and comment briefly. There's really not that much per se tafsir in these next about 80 verses until I only really have to pause on yeah, until I hit verse 90 we can pick up some speed inshallah. Right? Because a lot of these things are things that I've already explained to you before. Even the things about Islam and your tribiyah and tazkiyah, we've done all of this in the first few days. And you remember in the very few days I told you that as we get into the middle, we're going to pick up speed because then you're going to have lots of themes and topics and ideas that have already been done. Right? So now we're going to see, let's see today, inshallah. Let's try one day. At least we should try to pick up some speed. So we are on Surah Al-Ma'idah. No, Surah Al-Anam, sorry. Verse number 20. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذين آتيناهم الكتاب يعرفونه كما يعرفون أبناءهم Indeed, those who have been given the book, they know you and they recognize you like they recognize their own children. What does this mean? Is that they recognize the veracity of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, as they recognize their own children. And this is a very strong way Allah Ta'ala is saying this because these were people who prided themselves on their lineage, prided themselves on their progeny both on their progeny, knowing who they were and partly, and also that the progeny was attributed properly to the lineage that they were derived from. So it means that they know you are the Prophet, so none of the signs that you want to bring or that they ask you from is going to make them believe, because that would have only been if they didn't know you are a Prophet, and bringing a sign would make them think you are a Prophet, but they know you are a Prophet, they are not believing in you out of obstinacy, out of stubbornness, therefore no matter what sign you fulfill of them, no matter how you try to make them happy, they are not going to believe, because because they're deliberately, knowingly not believing in you. And that is a type of kufr where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those are people who have brought utter and absolute loss to their own selves and they're never ever going to believe. فَهُمْ لَا And they will never ever believe. Alright. Who is more unjust? وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا Who can there be in all of humanity who is more unjust than a person who fabricates a lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? أَوْ Ayatihi, or who rejects the verses of revelation and commands of signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yuflihul zalimun. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed know that the zalimun, the unjust wrongdoers, aggressors, transgressors, will never ever attain felicity and happiness in the akhirah. And remember that day when we will gather each and every single one of you, and then we will say, to those who were mushrikeen, who ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَيْنَ الَّذِينَ كُنْتُمْ تَزْعُمُونَ That where are those partners of yours? Where are those people that you used to worship? Where are those idols of yours whom you used to think that they were Allah? So then what will have ثُمَّ لَمْ تَكُمْ That they will not have any other thing that they can do. إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا وَاللَّهِ رَبِّنَا That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Rabb. And what will they try to say? مَا كُنَّا مُشْرِكِينَ That we will never ever idol worshippers. Now this suggests, right, that the mushrikeen hearts are so hardened that even on the day of judgment they are numb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because otherwise, you would think that okay, an unbeliever, when they stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would be so terrified now, now that they know that it's all true. And especially it's addressing the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarma, that everything that the Prophet told us, that, that he had told us is true, and now we're standing in front of Allah, they would be terrified beyond their wits. They wouldn't be able to utter a peep. That's what you would think, right? 
But these people's hearts are so numbed that just like in this world they were unable to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on that day they won't be able to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will talk and deliberately lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What will they say? They'll say, مَا كُنَّا That we weren't even idol worshippers. That is the extent to which they fabricated lies against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Undur, كَيْفَ كَذَبُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ See how they lie about their own selves. وَذَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ And every single thing that they used to do will come to naught on that day. وَمِنْهُمْ And from amongst those idol worshippers, there are going to be those who listen to you, Prophet ﷺ. However, وَجَعَلْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ But Allah Ta'ala says that what we will do is we are going to put some type of veil on their hearts so that they don't understand أَنْ يَفْكَهُوهُ وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ and that we're going to put a weight onto their ears. And this is not. Uh, we're going to put a weight onto their ears. Yeah, we're going to put a veil over their heart that will prevent them from understanding what you were saying to them, and a deafness in their ears, such that even were they to have seen every single sign, were they to see every single sign, they would still not believe. So much so that when they come to you, they will argue and dispute with you. And then what will the unbelievers say regarding the Qur'an? They say regarding the Qur'an that it is nothing but the fables of peoples gone past. It is nothing but fables gone people. This is a famous saying, In هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاتِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ Asatir literally from satr means lines. Asatir means lines. It means fables. Lines and lines of fables and stories of awwaleen of the ancients. Right? This is nothing other than the tales of the ancients. Alright. From the Qur'an al-Kareem, they, they prevent other people, they keep others from the Qur'an al-Kareem, and they keep from it themselves. They are harming and destroying only their own souls without even realizing what they're doing. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They have no shu'ur, they are not aware, nor do they perceive, nor do they acknowledge, nor do they realize what is it that they do. Alright. وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ وَقِفُوا and if they could, if they could only see that what would be their state when they are made to stand before the fire at the edge of the fire. At that moment, what are they going to say? Now, at that moment, what is it that they're afraid of the fire? This is the way the mushrikin are described. They're not afraid of Allah SWT. They say Allah, they can lie to Him immediately and say, we never did any shirk. Because they're numbed. They're materialistic people. They have no spirituality, they can't even feel the fear. But when they see the fire, that's empirical, that's material, then they will feel fear. The fear they should have felt in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world, the fear they should have at least maybe even felt in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of judgment, that fear instead is going to be in their hearts when they see the fire. So it's the empirical eyewitnessing of the fire that is going to finally make them say something. So what are they going to say? They're going to say, Ya Laytana, Nuraddu wa la nukadhiba bi'ayati rabbina wa nakuna minal mu'mineen. That if only we could be sent back, would that we were sent back, we would not reject the ayat, the revelation that came from our Rabb, and instead what we would be, wa nakuna minal mu'mineen, and we would have opted to have been from amongst the believers. That will be finally, only when they see Jahannam, Will they finally then repent? Alright. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, however, in fact, what they were concealing, what they were hiding before will become evident to them. And if, even if they were to be sent back, 
they would still revert. They would surely revert to all the things that they had been forbidden. That if they were to be sent back to this world, they would simply return to all of those things that Allah Ta'ala had prohibited them from. And in fact, they are liars even in this. Even in this statement, that were we to have gone back, if only we could go back, then we would not be mushrik and we would choose to believers. They are lying even in that. It's only when the fire is literally in front of them that they have any shu'ur, even after seeing it and they would go back, they would still go back to their disbelieving ways and their sinful ways. Allahu Akbar. That suggests, right, so the type of characteristic trait you're going to expect in such a person is stubbornness, obstinacy, what you call zid, right? Absolutely unwavering, refusing to accept any type of nasiha. That is the attribute in the sifat that Allah Santos is mentioning these people are going to have. Then, what will, so what is it that they say in this world? Waqalu, so in this world, in here, illa hayatuna, that this is just hayatuna dunya, this is just our worldly life. Wama nahnu and we will not be resurrected. Now this is exactly what today's atheist says. This is the, this is the exact quote, word for word, doesn't leave one drop of, of empirical, rational, scientific atheism out. This is all of it summarized beautifully and eloquently in one sentence. That this is what, not just what they say, Qawdu means this is what they feel, this is their outlook, this is their view. That this is just, we're, we're just, we live for the here and now. That's what it means in idiomatic English. We live for the here and now, there is no tomorrow. We live for this world, there is no akhirah, there is no hereafter. So then, what is also I told you, in some ways, right, those atheists are, are going to be the same as atheists of today. So here what does Allah say? وَلَوْ تَرَا إِذْ عَلَى رَبِّهِمْ Now what's going to happen? Now if you can only see that when they are made to stand before their Rabb, and their Rabb will address them, قَالْ Allah SWT say with them, أَلَيْسَ هَذَا بِالْحَقِّ This thing that you thought wasn't true? Look around you. <laughs> Aren't you alive? Haven't you been resurrected? Aren't you made to stand again? Aren't you, haven't you entered this phase called the next life? Hmm? Allah is going to address them. أَلَيْسَ هَذَا بِالْحَقِّ So what will they say? Now they will say, so this is the second group, right? The first group was the polytheists. This is now the atheists. So how will the atheists respond? bala. They will say, yes, indeed, it is true. وَرَبَّنَا And they will, they will say, they will believe in us, they will at least acknowledge Allah on that day. They won't lie. They will say, bala. Bala wa Rabbana that, oh, yes indeed our Rabb. Bala wa Rabbana indeed our Rabb. Alright. But, it's too late for them also. Qala fuzukul adhab bima kuntum takfurun. So go and taste the punishment by means of your atheism. Now we can translate kufi here not just as unbelief, as a particular thing. Right? You will have to go and enter into the fire of Jahannam due to your atheism. Alright? Okay. And those basic, those people who thought and falsified and viewed as a lie, what? Viewed what is a lie? Lika illah, the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They view that to be a lie, kad khasira. Indeed, they are going to be in a state of absolute loss. And kad can also be for the past, they are already lost. Anybody who denies that there will be a meeting in front, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are already lost. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَتْهُمُ السَّاعَةِ Until 
that time when the time comes for them suddenly, baghdatan, means it will come to them all of a sudden. Kalu, what will they say then? Ya hasratana ala ma farratna fiha. That all, woe to us for all that we ignored from this, what we ignored of the truth. Alright? Alas, we've been negligent about it. So woe to us that we were negligent and ignored this reality that the moment of death is going to overcome us. وَهُمْ يَحْمِلُونَ أَوْزَارَهُمْ عَلَى ظُهُورِهِمْ And they are people who they carry their burdens on their backs. Alright? أَلَا سَاءَ مَا That is it not evil? How evil is it indeed what they bear? How evil and painful it is what they bear? And then Allah says, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَعِبٌ وَلَهُ that what indeed is the life of this world except laib and lahu? That let me explain to you. That means a game and a pastime. What is the life of this world except a game and a pastime? So this is the emotional feeling that a believer is supposed to have about this world. That is a trifle. Mata'a dunya qalil. It amounts to nothing or very little. That is just a game. It's a pastime. It's fun. Right? It's not lasting. It's fleeting. It's ephemeral. To use more fancy English words. It's temporal. Fleeting, ephemeral. So la'ib and lahu. So sometimes people, the ulama will write that a person should avoid la'ib and lahu. What does that mean? That is what we call, what I've explained to you before sometimes, fuzul mubahat. Idle pastimes. Fruitless actions. Things that are of no benefit to a person in this world or in the last life, in the next life. So those are things that a more cultured, you know when people talk about being cultured in their own secular liberal way. So they say a cultured person wouldn't, you know, for them wouldn't eat with their hands, for example. Right? Or a cultured person wouldn't do this. So in the Islamic etiquette, the person who is cultured in deen of Islam is not going to be involved in idle pastimes. They don't have time for that. They value their time. They know that this world is a time in which they have to earn and please their Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't have time for idle, wasteful, fruitless things that lack any benefit whatsoever. Right? So that is, Islam is also creating a culture. The Qur'anic insan also has a certain culture, a pedigree. And that is the pedigree of maturity, that is the pedigree of spirituality, that is the pedigree of worship and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they're drowned in that. Just like you find people in this world who have a mission, right? Then they give their whole life up to that mission and their cause. The ibadullah are those who give up their whole life to the mission and cause because their heart feels what this ayah says. Their heart feels this statement that Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَمَلْ حَيَاتُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَعِبٌ وَلَوْ their heart feels like that. What is this world? It's just a plaything. How, what am I gonna give up for, how much am I gonna give up in sacrifice of virtue for that sake of that promotion? For the sake of that extra business? For that sake of that extra degree? For that sake of that extra fame? For that sake of that extra money? All of it, all of it. All of the laurels and awards and prizes and scholarships and whatever we get them, we award them, all of it. It's just, we, our attitude towards it is supposed to be, it's la wa lahu. It's just a trifling thing. Right? It's like, you know, what type of example can I give you? You don't, I don't know if you, there's something called wonder bread. It's a type of bread. Plain bread. Let's say I told you that this loaf of wonder bread is the most best baked wonder bread in the history of wonder bread. You say, like, so what? <laughs> like, so what does that mean exactly? You wouldn't care. Well, I said, no, really. I can just guarantee to it, according to all bakers of the world, this loaf of wonder bread is the most perfectly formed white flour piece of loaf ever in the history of humanity. 
you'd still say, well, so what? <laughs> so that's how Quranic insan feels even about this world, right? Fair, I know that's a high, it's a very high level, higher level that maybe some of us are at. But at least it be something we should aspire to. And at the very least, necessarily, it must be something that we acknowledge. That that is how Quranic insan feels. Whether I'm not there yet or not. I may not even be able to aspire to yet or not. But being viewing the world with disinterest. Being disinterested in the material things of this world. That is what Allah SWT is trying to say. And remember, these people, that's why I call them materialists. They're the complete opposite. They were the complete opposite. They viewed Allah Ta'ala with disinterest. Na'uzubillah. Right? They view Allah Ta'ala with disinterest. They view Salah with disinterest. They view Dua with disinterest. They view Quran with disinterest. They view Zikr with disinterest. Quranic insan views this world with disinterest. It's a complete, there's symmetrical opposites. Diametrically opposed to one another. The Quranic philosophy of humanity and the materialistic philosophy of humanity. Alright? وَلَدَّارُ الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرُ لِلَّذِينَ that the, that the abode of the Akhirah is better for the people of taqwa. لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّكُونَ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Don't you have any sense? Allah is saying, don't you have any sense? This is for the believers that you're so caught up in this world and you disdain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, indeed we know that what they say, indeed we know, O my beloved Messenger Sam, لَا يَحْزُنُكَ that what they say makes you sad. Alladhi yakulun, what they say makes you sad. Fainnuhum la yukadhibunaka, walakinna, walakinna zalimina, bi ayatillahi yajhadun. That look, we know that what they say grieves you, but they're not repudiating you. They can't repudiate you. You are my Nabi. Remember, Allah said earlier, Rasuli, that you are my Nabi. They can't repudiate you. Rather, it is the signs of the gods, yajhadun, that they deny and they reject. وَلَكَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ And indeed they have denied messengers, the atheists and disbelievers, it's a whole history, it's a historical community. And many, many, they've denied, many, many messengers have been denied and rejected before you. But they endured that rejection. They endured that rejection. فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا They endured and bore with fortitude the rejection that, that, that they had to face. وَأُوذُوا حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُنَا and they were even hurt. They were even hurt until our help came to them. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that, look, you will feel sad. You have to bear through it. You will feel hurt. You have to bear through it. And this is something that we can take as a lesson that this is for every true follower of Nabi Kareem Wasallam. This is part of sunnah actually. This is also one sunnah. <laughs> it's not a sunnah that you get, but this is the sunnah that will happen to you. There will be people who mock you. There will be people who reject you. There will be people who chastise you. You will have to deal with it with sabr. You will have to deal with it with sabr. And eventually then you should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mother, the Nusuf will come. Alright? وَلَا مُبَدِّلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ And there is no force, no entity, no being that can ever change the kalimat, the words and proclamations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if He has said in Qur'an that indeed, indeed that His help will come, that indeed His help will come. وَلَكَدْ جَاءَكَ That indeed has come to you Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And none can change the words of Allah. And indeed, on account of some, and some account of the emissaries has come to the Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Some accounts of the messengers, the previous anbiya that have come, the Mursaleen, have already come to you. All right. If uh, fa in kana kabura alayka, 
that if their staying away from you and shunning you has been hard on you, it would be so. It would be so. It would still be hard on you. Even if you, even were you to find a tunnel into the earth or a ladder into the sky in order to bring them a sign. Though Allah SWT could at will surely guide each and every one of them or gather all of them into hidayah. Allah Taala could do that. But Allah SWT doesn't wish to do that. Allah SWT does not wish to do that. So what does Allah say? فَلَا تَكُونَنَّا مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ So literally in this addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah So don't you, Allah Akbar. It's the singular. فَلَا تَكُونَنَّا That surely, certainly, definitely you should not. This is your nahi. بَلَامِ تَاكِيدِ وَنُونِ تَاكِيدِ السَّكِيلَةِ coming here. وَلَا تَكُونَنَّا That you should certainly, definitely, undoubtedly not at all be مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ From amongst those Literally means we're amongst who are ignorant. It means those who don't... Now, what Allah SWT is saying to the Prophet that the Prophet could ever be amongst the Jahilin. What Allah SWT is saying is, now that you know, now that I've told you that this is something that happens to previous Prophets, now that you know that even though it does hurt you, it does grieve you, that you should have sabr on it, and now that you know that my mother the Nusrat is going to come, now you should not remain as one of the people who are ignorant. Alright? This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to Sayyidina Rasulullah s.a.w. here in Qur'an al-Kareem. إِنَّمَا يَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ يَسْمَعُونَ That indeed only those who listen hear. As for the dead, right? وَالْمَوْتَ يَبْأَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ يُرْجَعُونَ As for the dead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect them and they will be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. وَقَالُوا And what do they say? لَوْ لَا نُزِّدَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِذَبِّهِ That they said that what, why has why has a sign, here it means sign, no, not verse revelation, why has a sign not been sent down to us from His Lord? مِذَبِّهِ They don't say from our Rabb, from His Rabb. So this is how they're telling the Prophet talking about the Prophet behind his back. That how come a sign hasn't come down from His Rabb? قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَادِرٌ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ آيَةً that know that indeed Allah SWT is completely able and capable and all-powerful to send a sign, but most of them, وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ But the vast majority of them have no knowledge of this. وَمَا مِنْ دَابَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا تَائِرٍ يَتِيرُ بِجَنَاحِهِ إِلَّا That there is no creature that walks the face of this earth, nor is there any bird that is flying on its two wings, Except that Allah SWT has made them umam. Umam means that they have been made into communities. Like you. What does this mean? This means that actually animals, and this is something that people, if you watch those nature TV special shows, you will see that. That animals have behavior. And they have social behavior. And they have social interactions. And they have mating patterns. And they form communities. So there are schools of fish. And there are herds of buffalo. And there are herds of elephants. And they display herd behavior. Right? So Allah SWT is saying that this, this notion of being an ummah, feeling, being part of a collect, shared collectivity is part of creation. Even animals have that feeling. Even animals have that feeling. And then Allah SWT says that we have not neglected to mention any single thing in this book, in the Qur'an al-Kareem. Then what will happen to Allah SWT will everyone ultimately be gathered to their Rabb. Those who reject the signs of Allah SWT, are described by Allah SWT, this has come before, are deaf and dumb and in the dark. Allah SWT confounds whomsoever He wills, and He 
play, and he will guide whomsoever he wills on the straight path. Alright. مَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ يُدْلِلْهُ وَمَنْ يَشَاءَ يَجْعَلْهُ عَلَى سِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمِ So yudlil means he can make them astray, he can make them misguided, he can also confound them, as to confuse them as to what is the correct guidance. Allah SWT does that to whomsoever he wants, and Allah SWT will guide whomsoever he wants on the right path. But that I've explained to you before, that the ones who Allah SWT chooses to misguide are those who spurn his signs and reject his messengers. Alright. Next ayah, so we are now on verse number 40. Qul, say to them, that do you think that when the punishment of Allah SWT will come to you, or the end of time will arrive for you, that you will call on any being other than Allah SWT? That if you really are true, you truly believe in these other things, that when death will overcome you, or though when you are raised upon the Day of Judgment, then you won't call on those other gods. But you won't, you won't be able to. But know that no, only and only it is Allah SWT upon whom you will call for help. And who will remove what you call for help from? If that be Allah SWT's will, then you will forget. You will forget every single thing. You will forget all of those things that you ascribe partners to Allah SWT. Alright? So Him alone you will call, and Allah SWT, if He wills, shall remove what you call Him for, and you will forget all of those things that you associate with Allah SWT. Alright. So here now, this is for the mushrikeen, they're being told that ultimately they were, and this happens, you know, many Muslims also say this as well, that even the atheist Muslim, right, when something shakes up, if he's in a car accident, he's going to say, Ya Allah, <laughs> right? He's going to turn to Allah SWT on that moment of need. At that moment, he's not going to turn to any other view or any other feeling, right? Or the Muslim who practices all types of weird, quirky, new age spirituality, if they're in a plane, in the plane, and the plane's about to go down, they're going to start reciting kalima. They're not going to start their new age meditation practice. Right? They're not going to do that. They're not going to whip out their tarot cards. They're not going to start reading the palms of their fellow passengers. They're not going to do those things. They're not going to ask the stewardess for the newspaper, let me read my horoscope. They're not going to do that. Right? When push comes to shove, Allah is saying, you're going to call on Allah. So why not call on Allah SWT now? Why wait for push to come to shove? Why wait for that last moment? Why not obey and worship and pray and supplicate and entreat that Allah SWT who alone has any power to help us in any way? Alright. Verses number 42 onwards. Allah SWT says, Indeed we sent messengers to communities and nations before you. And we afflicted them and tested them and tried them with some type of hardship and adversity so that they may become humble. So that they may become humble. لَأَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَرَّعُونَ تَذَرُّ and تَوَاضُ These are two words that refer to humility. But here this is a notion that, that they would be humbled, that they would turn to Allah SWT in humility. They would turn to Allah SWT in humility. But why? Allah SWT says in Quran that why did they not then become humble and turn to Allah SWT and supplicate and entreat Him? Especially when our vengeance came down upon them. When our vengeance came down upon them. Why? وَلَكِنْ كَسَدْ قُلُوبُهُمْ This happened because instead their hearts were hardened, hardened beyond stones. وَزَيِّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ مَا كَانُوا يَأْمُلُونَ And shaitan adorned and made beautiful all the things that they used to do. Right? So shaitan made what they were doing seem pleasing to them and attractive to them, so they continued on that instead of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then when they forgot... What they had been warned about. فَلَمَّا نُسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا When they forgot all of the things that they have been advised be he with. 
فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ That we opened up to them the doors of every single thing. It means Allah Ta'ala says we sent on them the bounties and favors of everything. حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِهُ بِمَا أُوتُوا Such that they became so happy and they rejoiced with all of the bounties and pleasures that were given to them. Then what happened? أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْدَةً Then Allah Ta'ala says then we grabbed them all of a sudden. We inflicted our punishment on them when we caught them unawares. فَإِذَا هُمْ مُبْلِسُونَ And they were people who then they fell into despair and depression. So this is also an ayah that many people explain in Qur'an al-Kareem, that don't think that because Allah Ta'ala hasn't punished us right now for our sin, means what we're doing is okay. In fact, we should be more worried that maybe this is happening to us, that we chose a path that was distant from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, we thought we didn't need Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, we were apathetic, disinterested, disdained for the world, so Allah Ta'ala opened up for us, the doors of every single bounty and blessing. We had kids, we had health, we had career, we had promotion, we had the cars, we had it all. حَتَّى إِذَا فُرِهُ فَرِهُ Then we rejoiced and we became happy and we really thought, yes, we were right. Subconsciously we thought, yes, we didn't need Allah SWT. Look at me. I'm living large. حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِهُ Until they thought that they were living large. Then بِمَا أُوتُوا But that what Allah SWT gave to them. أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْدَةً Then all of a sudden we will inflict our punishment upon them. And for some that may mean all the way up till death. For some that moment of death and that person who leads a life of complete heedlessness and then drowns themselves in their worldly material blessings such that they don't think they need Allah SWT, it comes in a date that when the angel of death comes to take their soul, it's an extremely painful extraction. That could be one meaning of this. Then they're taken all of a sudden by surprise. They were used to all the creature comforts of this world. They hadn't done anything to prepare themselves for the spiritual comforts in the grave or the akhirah. And then all of a sudden, one after the other, the angel taking their soul, the whole feeling of their soul until the grave, the way they will feel in the grave, the way they will be made to rise up and stand in front of Allah on that day. All of that will be a punishment for them. Because they chose to ignore Allah Subhanahu in this world, and they were content, and they were blinded and overjoyed with the worldly blessings that that very same Allah Subhanahu had given them. Eyes number 45 onwards. Thus then the last remnant of the people who went wrong was cut off when Allah Ta'ala inflicted this punishment upon them all thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَقُتِيَ دَابِرُ الْقَوْمِ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا And indeed then the last person, the last remnant of that community that was unjust was removed. وَالْحَمْدُلِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And all praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the nourisher and sustainer and caretaker of all the worlds. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ سَمْعَكُمْ وَأَبْسَارَكُمْ وَخَتَمَ عَلَى قُلُوبِكُمْ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهُ Do you not see, do you not reflect, do you not notice that when Allah SWT takes away your hearing and takes away your vision and He seals up your hearts, that is there some other deity other than Allah SWT, some other God other than Allah SWT, some إِلَاهُ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَعْتِيكُمْ Who can give them back to you? يَعْتِيكُمْ بِهِ Who can give you back that? أُنذر كَيْفَ نُصَرِّفُ الْآيَاتِ ثُمَّ هُمْ يَسْدِفُونَ That you should reflect and see how we explain the signs and look at how then they turn away from them. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُكُمْ إِنْ أَتَاكُمْ أَذَابُ اللَّهِ بَغْتَةً أَوْ جَحْرَةً هَلْ يُحْلَكُ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الظَّالِمُونَ So then Allah SWT says, then tell, say my Prophet then tell me that if the punishment, so this is the things that the Prophet is saying to the Mushrikeen of Makkah. These are the things that Allah SWT is training the Prophet to tell, revealing to the Prophet to say to the Mushrikeen of Makkah. Tell me, 
that if the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes upon you, do you think yourselves, to yourselves, that if the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes upon you suddenly, or visibly, openly, that you see it coming away from afar, that any person will be destroyed except those who are unjust. So what it means is the punishment only and only befalls upon those who are unjust. It's a call inviting them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inviting them back to justice. Alright. وَمَا نُرْسِلُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرِينَ وَمُنْذَرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran that we do not send the prophets and messengers except to bear glad tidings to those who do good, do, do good and to warn and to admonish those who have gone astray. فَمَنْ آمَنَ وَأَسْلَحَ And that person who has iman وَأَسْلَحَ And then is thereafter righteous and upright and adopts piety. فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزُنُونَ Then there will be no fear upon them and nor shall they ever grieve. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا Then indeed, however, those who disbelieve and refute and repudiate and reject and deny the verses of our revelation, our commandments and, and our signs, then for such people, Yam sashumul adabu, then the punishment will surely touch them, means the punishment will surely afflict them. Bimakanu yafsukun, by means of all the disobedience and transgression they should do. Kulla akulu lakum indi khazainullah, that indeed say to them, I will assume that I do not tell you. I don't tell you. La akulu lakum, I'm not saying to you that indi khazainullah, that I have the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nor do I say, wala a'lamul ghayba, nor do I say that I know all that is in the unseen. وَلَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ إِنِّي مَلَكْ Nor do I tell you that I am an angel. What am I doing? إِنَتَّبِعُوا إِلَّا مَا يُوهَا إِلَيَّا That I am only and only following that which has been revealed to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قُلْ هَلْ يَسْتَوِي الْأَعْمَى وَالْبَسِيرِ They say to them, my beloved Messenger sallallahu can that person who is blind and that person who is seeing, can they ever be the same? That person who is blind to revelation and that person who sees the truth of revelation, can they be ever the same? أَفَلَا تَتَفَكَّرُونَ Are you not people who reflect and ponder? وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ Okay, and then you should warn. Those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those believers who truly believe and they do fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you should warn them. أَنْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ That they will all be gathered towards their Rabb. لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِنْ دُونِهِ وَلِيُّمْ وَلَا شَفِيءٌ لَأَلَّهُمْ يَتَّكُونَ That indeed other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they have no wali, no patron, no benefactor, no caring friend. وَلَا شَفِيءٌ Nor do they have any intercessor. لَأَلَّهُمْ يَتَّكُونَ Indeed we are hopeful that they become people of taqwa, they become conscientious. وَلَا تُطْرِدُ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاوَةِ وَالْأَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهُهُ مَا عَلَيْكَ مِنْ حِسَابِهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ وَمَا مِنْ حِسَابِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَتَطْرُدُهُمْ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ So here Allah Ta'ala is saying to tell the people and don't تَطْرُد means don't reject, don't spurn. Don't deny those who call upon their Rabb in the morning and in the evening. And what are they doing? They're seeking the attention of Allah SWT. And right to the Wajjah is Tawajjah. They're seeking the attention and focus and love. They want Allah Ta'ala to be Mutawajjah towards them. That's why they call upon Allah SWT. That's why you say attract. They're trying to attract Allah Ta'ala's gaze of mercy and shafqat upon them. مَا عَلَيْكَ مِنْ حِسَابِهِمْ You are not accountable for them in anything. And they are not accountable to you for any single thing. In what sense that you should reject them and thereby become among fatukuna and thereby fatukuna min al-zalameen and become amongst the unjust transgressors. وَكَذَلَكَ أَنْ دَسْتِرْ We try some of them by means of others. So that they would say, أَهَا أُولَائِ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ 
And are these the ones who Allah Subhanahu has favored amongst us? So then respond to them. The Alaysallahu bi Atlama Bishakirin. Doesn't Allah Subhanahu know best who are the ones who are truly grateful and appreciative to Him? He knows who are the Shakirin, so He knows who He can send His inam and send His pleasure, uh, His special favors on. Alright. And oh my beloved Messenger Sam, and those who actually do believe in our verses of revelation and our signs, when they come to you, فَقُلْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ And when they come to you, and what do they say? They say, سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ Peace be unto you. كَتَبَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ الرَّحْمَةِ So the same thing that we did before, that know, that tell them that your رَبُّكُمْ That tell them that your رَب your Rabb has prescribed for himself Rahmas, committed his own self to mercy, has opted for the path of mercy. Annahu man amila minkum su an bijahalatin, thumma taba min ba'dihi wa aslaha fa annahu ghafoorun rahim. This is a similar ayat highlighted to you once before. You can highlight it here also, Surah Al-Nam, Surah 6, verse number 54. What is it saying? For those who believe, right? For those who believe that anyone, so tell them the Prophet tell them that if any one of you, Man whomsoever of you, man amila minkum whomsoever you does su'an, does a sin, does an evil bijahalatin, due to ignorance, and I explained this ayah before what ignorance meant, it can also mean, doesn't mean ignorant didn't know it was a sin, ignorance that they were overcome by the passions of their nafs. Thumma, but thereafter, taba, min ba'dihi, makes toba to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afterwards, wa aslahan, then makes amends, and thereafter acts righteously, is true to their toba. So thumma taba, they make true toba. وَأَصْلَحَا And then they remain true to their tawbah. فَأَنَّهُ غُفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ That you should know that indeed Allah SWT is all forgiving, is all merciful. وَكَذَلَكَ نُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ And such Allah SWT says, thus to be explained in detail the verses of our lips and our signs. Why? So that the way of the sinners, سَبِيلُ mujrimin, So that the way of the sinners and wrongdoers can become made completely evident. Cool. Say to them, my beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi sallam, that I have been made forbidden to worship any of those whom you call upon other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. And then say to them that I will not follow your desires. I will not follow your whims and desires and fancies. That I indeed, I would have already strayed. I would have myself been... On the lala, on, I would have gone astray and been an error. Ida wama ana min al muhtadin, and indeed I would have been failed to have been amongst those who have been rightly guided if I had followed your wishes and your desires. Did what you want me to do. This is because some of the Ahlul Kitab Mushrikin of Makkah used to try to tell the Prophet that do this, say this, change this law, give us this concession, and then we'll believe. So the Prophet was saying, no, I'm not. Uh, I can't do that. And if I was to listen to what you wanted me to do, long since I would have already myself been one of those who were astray and one of those who were not granted. Cool. So say to them, my beloved messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that what are you going to do? Inni ala bayyinatim min rabbi. I am firmly established on a clear proof and evidence from my Rabb. Wakadzabtum bihi. And that وَكَذَّبْتُمْ بِهِ That same Rabb that you do تَقْذِيبَ That you repute it and that you reject. مَا إِنْدِي مَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ بِهِ إِنَ الْحُكْمَ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ يَقُصُّ الْحَقِّ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْفَاسِدِينَ That indeed that you should know that what you would what you hasten me to do, what you want me to do, مَا إِنْدِي that what it is not possible for me, it is not within my capacity to do all of those things that you are trying to spur me to do. 
إِنَّ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ And know that indeed the decision and the judgment lies only and only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يَقُصُّ الْحَقَّ Who always tells and narrates the truth. وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْفَاسِرِينَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best one to settle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best one to settle. To make fasl, to settle or judge between people. Verses 58 and onwards. All right. And if it was in my capacity, in my ability to do and to judge what you are trying to spur me to do, that indeed then the matter would have already been decided and settled between us and between me and you. But know that Allah SWT is all-knowing about the unjust wrongdoers and transgressors. And to Allah SWT belong the keys of the unseen. And only and only Allah SWT knows about those unseen. Alright? And Allah SWT... وَيَعْلُمُ مَا فِي الْبَرِّينَ Allah SWT knows about each and everything that is in the land with Bahrain, all that lies in the oceans. وَمَا تَسْكُتُ مِنْ وَرَكَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلَمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رُتْبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٌ مُبِينَ That Allah SWT knows each and every single thing. No single leaf can fall except that no leaf can fall. تَسْكُتُ No leaf can fall. No leaf is falling. There can be no falling of a leaf except that Allah SWT knows it. And there is no seed even on the darkness of the earth. There is no single seed of a grain on the even darkest corner of the earth except that Allah SWT knows it. And there is nothing that is ratab literally means wet but it means here green and verbent. وَلَا يَابِسَ Nothing that is dry or barren except that it is all known by Allah SWT in a kitab al-mubin that in an explanatory and clear book. وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَثَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا جَرَحْتُمْ بِالنَّهَارِ And Allah SWT is that being who takes your souls by night and knows what you acquire by the day. Allah SWT takes your souls by night and knows what you acquire and earn by the day. What does it mean by take your souls? It means that He calls you to sleep. He has made the night a time for you to sleep. By the way, this is also something that although we're not always able to do it, and if you need to stay up all night to make sure you pray Fajr these days, that's fine by me. But normally, when there's a normal schedule, let's say when Fajr is at 5 or 6 a.m., right? Uh, and Isha is at 8 or 9 p.m. as happens, then it is much better to sleep at night. And there's more barakah in sleeping in the night because there are many, many ayats in Quran that the night has been made as a canopy for us. The night has been made as a time when Allah Ta'ala makes us sleep, right? So there's more barakah when you sleep at night. And you will find that all the successful people in this world pretty much are the ones who sleep at night and are up from 5 a.m. onwards. And the ones who are not successful in this world are the ones who are up at night and they sleep from 5 a.m. to noon. And you would think, but you can say they're both sleeping. Say by the time, there's barakah in sleeping in the night and there's barakah in earning and doing and acquiring in the morning. Right? Khair, so even these days, if you have to sleep after Fajr, which you should try to do in these days, in this particular time of the year, in this particular place of the world, you should try to sleep at least a couple of hours at night. Right? 11.30 to 2, 11.30 to 2.30. Right? And then you can go to sleep again for a little bit after Fajr, but you should be up by 8 or 9. By 9, you should be up and at it. Up and at it, right? And that, what would that schedule be then? So from, even if you slept from 5 to 9, that's 4 hours, and you sleep from 
to 2.30. That's three hours. So three plus four is seven. Well, that's even more than we wanted to give you. I wanted to give you six. Right? So you got seven. That would be more barakah. There's more restorative sleep. There's more restorative power in the sleep that you sleep at night. And there's more productive productivity in the activity that you do in the day. And you will find that. That's why people, if you ask them whether they do at night, they're basically surfing, they're hanging out, they're doing unproductive things. Right? And you ask the guy who's up from 7 a.m. to 11, he's doing productive things. Alright? You ask the person who sleeps at night and is up in the morning, he says he doesn't feel groggy. You ask the kid who slept all the way till 11 or 12, he's still feeling groggy. There's less restorative power in sleep in the day, and there's more productive power in work in the day. Right? Okay. Oh, okay. Where were we? Okay, summa yabathukum fihi Okay, so here the Allah sponsor says, and he takes you up to him at an appointed term. That means that your death, the time of your death has been decreed. Nobody can make it come earlier. Nobody can make it come later. Summa ilayhi marji'ukum. And indeed, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your ultimate return and your recourse. And that same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, summa yunabbi'ukum bima kuntum ta'malun. That Allah ta'ala will inform you about everything that you are doing. Wuhuwa al-qahiru fawka ibadihi. So we had this before. وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَظَةً حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَكُمُ الْمَوْتُ So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dominant over all of His servants. And He sends guardians over you. Now who are those guardians? Those guardians and protectors refer to the malaika, the angels. The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said angels. And it can mean in many ways. One is what's been mentioning here, that they keep a record of your deeds, but they also protect people. They also protect people. And the angel will also be the angel of death. Alright? And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in... Uh, the Rusul here doesn't mean the Anbiya. Rusul means Allah Ta'ala's emissaries, Allah Ta'ala's messengers. It means the angels who Allah Ta'ala sends to take a person uh, up, take a person's soul. This is the, this is referred to the angels of death and his entire team. Okay. And they will do so without fail. And they will take a person's soul without fail whatsoever. And then they will be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is their protector, al-haq, that he is al-haq. This is also a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can be mawlahum al-haq. You can take it to mean that he is their true protector and benefactor. It can also be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also al-haq. He is the ultimate reality. Allah lahul hukmu wa huwa asa'ul hasibin that indeed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs to judgment and He is the most swift of those to take to account and take and call to reckon. Call say my beloved messenger sallallahu to him that who is it that who will deliver you and who will save you from the darknesses of the land and sea? Who is it that you call on in humility and awe? Tad'unahu tadarru'an wa khufya Those who you call means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you call upon Him in all humility and all fear and awe. If only Allah Ta'ala delivers us from this, we will certainly be grateful. So this means that this is the dua, what I mentioned before, right? That when you were in the dark, but Allah Ta'ala giving example of a person who was at storm in the sea. So who do they call upon Allah Ta'ala in the darkness of that storm, in the tempest and tumult of that storm? So they make a dua to Allah Ta'ala. لَإِنْ أَنْجَانَ 
min hadhi that oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you were to save us from this then surely and certainly we would make ourselves and become amongst those who are grateful and appreciative to you so say to them that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has saved you and delivered you from these and from all women kulli karbin and from all distress but instead of that, what is it that what you do? You still choose to ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yet you still worship idols. That know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power and capability to send an adhab, a punishment upon you from above you or from beneath your feet. Or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may confuse you, can confound you. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may confuse you and confound you and put you into factions and divisions and make some of you taste each other's viciousness. This is how I put you. That some of you would taste one another's viciousness and enmity. It means that Allah ta'ala can split you into factions and make you war against one another. He doesn't even need to always send an azab. He can make war take place between you. That's also surah of his azab. To split you up into factions and make you war and fight and have infighting of another so that you each taste and are faced with the ba'as of the other. You taste the viciousness and enmity and hostile. That's also an adab from Allah. So that's for us to learn that also that if in the summa we feel that there are ever groups who had factions, you have ethnic fighting or racial fighting or all types of fighting going on in Karachi or other places, that's also an adab from Allah SWT. I mean, and that, especially that azam, that punishment brings about death. War can be a way to bring about death. War can be an azam. Be it civil war. Factional war. Alright? Undur kaifa? Nisurruful ayati la allahum yafkahun. Okay. Yafkahun, I think this may be the first time this has come. So this is from tafakkuh. Tafakkuh means deep understanding. It's different from yakalun, different from yatafakkurun, different from tadabbar. Right? Yafkahun, this is that they should be people who have deep understanding. Sundar kaifa nusarriful ayat, look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explaining the verses of Revelation from different angles that is good so that it may be people who deeply understand it and inculcate it and imbibe it and are transformed in it. But instead, wakadzaba bihi, but what do they do? They reject it. They reject it. Kaumukad, that is saying that your people, Sayyidina Rasulullah, your ahli Quraysh of Makkah Mukarma, They've chosen instead to reject Quran al-Quran, Quran al-Kareem, al haq And that Quran al-Kareem is a haq is an absolute truth that has come to them. So call what you should say to them, my beloved messenger, Lastu alaykum bil that I am not in any way accountable, responsible, I will not be a guardian over you. Alright? Okay. Likulli naba'in, that for each and every message, for each and every message there is a term. And surely soon you will know. It's a mustakar, there's a mahal, there's a place and a term that will transpire for each and every message. And soon you will know. What does that mean? That for these unbelievers, the term for them is to have iman. That Nabi Akrim's message of dawah to them has a particular term. Right? And obviously it will expire when they die or expire when they choose a irrecoverable, irrevocable path of kufr in which Allah Ta'ala may then set a seal on their hearts. Right? Okay. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوذُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا Then when you see, my beloved person, those who take our signs rashly, who take a rash approach to our signs, okay, so they indulge in blaspheming our verses, right? What you should do, you should avoid them. فَعْرِذْ أَنْهُمْ That you should stay away from them. 
حَتَّى يَخُوذُ فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ Until they turn themselves to some other topic. Until they turn themselves to some other So what does that mean? So this is a lesson for us, that don't engage in بَهَثْ مُبَهَثَ When you find somebody who out of their agnosticism, atheism, cynicism, sarcasm, is mocking and critiquing Qur'an, don't engage them at that moment. But don't disengage either. Let them change to another topic and then talk to him again, and then later try to win them over in the message of the love and compassion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when they're in full heat, don't try to engage them. At that point, they're beyond your reach. And it's a very reactive thing, because that's exactly when the person tries to engage them. They react, you get upset, right? Don't. فَعْرِذْ عَنْهُمْ Right? Just ignore them. Ignore it altogether. Right? Wait for them to turn to another topic. And later on then, you know, if you get the chance, you should try to talk to them somehow positively <coughs> about the deen. وَإِمَّا يُنْسِيَنَّكَ الشَّيْطَانُ فَلَا تَقْعُدْ بَعْدَ الذِّكْرَى مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ If shaitan makes you forget, right? Let's see if he's... Well, okay, if shaitan makes you forget, then you should not sit. You should not sit with this qawm al You should not sit with this community of unjust transgressors. After the dhikrah, after the admonishment, you should not sit with them if shaitan makes you forget. All right. Those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not responsible, will not be held to account the muttaqeen, will have no responsibility for anything on their account except as a reminder so that they may also become people of taqwa. That the people who have adopted taqwa, they have nothing to account min shay'in from amongst the acts of these people. Walakin, dhikra la'allahum yattakun, except they should do a dhikr, they should make an admonishment and nasiyat a counsel so that they may become people of taqwa as well. This is again showing, right? That what is it that a person has to do? You have to, you can never give up on a person. You must always try to give them the message, the counsel of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And invite them to that taqwa. Now here you had this word, you see? It came earlier, la'ib for the world. Hayatul dunya was a lie. Here Allah is saying the Prophet and leave those people who have taken their deen as a thing of play. Wallahu and as a pastime. That when they feel like doing it, they do it. When they don't feel like doing it, they don't do it. If they want to change it, they change it. They want to amend it, they amend it. They want to mock it. Whatever they want. They've taken it as a play and a pastime. So here, and interesting, right? Because for the other people, they was told that you should wait, let them change the topic, and then talk to them again. But those people who take the deen as a la'ib and lahu, dhar, dhar means just 
abandon them. That's what it means. Without abandon those, abandon them, leave them entirely. Those who take the deen as a play and amusement. Why are they doing that? وَغَرَّتْ هُمُ الْحَيَاةُ dunya, And it's the life of this world that has deceived them. Material pursuits has deceived them. وَذَكِّرْ بِهِ So what you should do is you should remind them a particular thing. And what is that? You should remind them وَذَكِّرْ بِهِ أَن تُبْسَلَ نَفْسٌ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ لَيْسَ لَهَا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلِيٌّ وَلَا شَفِيءٌ وَإِن تَعْدِلْ كُلَّ أَدْلٍ لَا يُؤْخَذْ مِنْهَا أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ أُبْلِسُوا أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ أُبْسِلُوا بِمَا كَسَبُوا لَهُمْ شَرَابٌ مِنْ حَمِيدٍ وَأَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ Remind them that a soul will be delivered to the fire of Jahannam. Right? Remind them that the soul will be delivered to... Oh, sorry. Remind them that a soul will be delivered to... A soul will be, Tubsala, soul will be recompensed and will have to face, if you will, a perdition, bima kasabat, will be faced with the negative consequences of each and everything that they did. They have no helper, no wali, no benefactor, no friend except for Allah, nor any intercessor except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even if, even if, in ta'dil kulla adlin, and even if they're able to offer some type of ransom for each and everything they do, it will never be accepted for them. These are those people who were seized, ubsilu bima kasabu, who were rendered to perdition or delivered to perdition or faced the evil consequences due to all of the things that they do. Lahum sharabun min hamid. Now what is this? That they will have a particular type of thing to drink and hamid is mentioned as a boiling water. Wa adabun alim. And they will have a painful punishment that will afflict them due to all of those things that they disbelieved and denied. Alright? So who are those people? Those, these are those people again who took their deen as a play and as a pastime. Here's the, one of the first things I think we've done so far about a specific mention of Jahannam. Right? And it comes in, especially in the latter part of Quran al specific mention of the type, the type of food, Ghislin, here, Sharabah min Hamid, what they will be made to drink, what they will be made to eat, how constricted their dwelling places will be, etc. All right. Verses number uh, 71 onwards. Kul say to them, Nabi Akram Sallallahu tell them, Anad'u min dunillah, that should we make dua and supplicate and call upon any being other than Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, ma la yanfa'una, وَلَا يُذُرُّنَا Such a being who can neither benefit us in any way, nor a being that can harm us in any way. Should we do that? And then that means that we should turn on our heels after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us, like that person whom shaitan is enchanted and bewildered, that, that like the person whom shaitan is enchanted and left him bewildered on earth, who has friends calling him to guidance, come to us, come to us. Say it is the guidance of Allah that is actual guidance. So what is happening? That this person, the who أَصْحَابٌ يَدْعُونَهُ that he has friends who call him to themselves. Right? So this is the notion that sometimes you may have friends who call you to a path that is other than that which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. So what are you supposed to say in response? Inna hudallahi huwal huda. That indeed the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is what is guidance. These friends will be saying, ilal huda atina. That if you want guidance, come to us. We have guidance. We can guide you as to what to do. 
So it means that there's going to be a competition. There's going to be a competition in our heart that either we choose to be guided by the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or we will choose to be guided by the guidance of others, those who claim to be our ashab, our friends, companions, fellows, associates, those we associate with in terms of our company, that's who our ashab are, that they will also call us to something. So in our heart, it's not you verbally say this, but in our heart, we, our feelings should be, inna hudallahi huwal huda. That no, it's the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is the guidelines that I want to follow. And it's not your views that are going to be the guidelines that I would want to follow. وَأُمِرْنَا لِنُسْلِمَ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And indeed we have been commanded that we should submit entirely and completely to Rabbil Alameen, to the Rabb of all of the worlds. وَأَنَكِيمُ الصَّلَاةً That we should be firmly established the prayer. وَاتَّقُوهُ And that we should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ الَّذِي إِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being towards whom everything and everyone will ultimately will be gathered. وَهُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِالْحَقِّ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being who created the realms that lie above and this earth in absolute haq and absolute truth or truthfully you can under we can translate truthfully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being who has created the heavens and earth. وَيَوْمَ يَكُولُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ And then on that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, كُنْ فَيَكُونَ So I mentioned this to you, right? That on the day of judgment, Allah ta'ala will say, be, and then it is. Be, then it becomes. Be, and then it becomes. قَوْلُهُ الْحَقِّ And the statement and proclamation and word and kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolutely true. وَلَهُ الْمُلْكُ يَوْمَ يُنْ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have the soul, who only and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have the dominion and sovereignty on that day, with the yawma yunfakhu fisur, on the day in which the trumpet will be blown. So this is something that comes in a date that there's an angel, say, uh, Israfil salam, he will blow a horn, horn or trumpet, however you want to call it, and the sound of that, that will be this cataclysmic sound that will signal the end of this world. And will immediately then lead into the end of, immediately lead into the beginning of the Akhirah. That will end this world, this will be where Allah is going to describe it, especially in the latter half of Quran, where the mountains will be folded up like carded world, carded world, and everything will be simply folded up and tossed aside, and everybody will be made to stand from their grave. And another day that comes that that sound itself is, or I'm, I'm calling it cataclysmic sound, that sound itself is so painful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't even let that happen as long as there's a mu'min on earth. And that's the hadith, and if I remember correctly, it's in Sahih Muslim, but I don't remember 100% right now, that the Prophet said that the end of time will not come and the trumpet won't be blown as long as there's a person, as long as a person who says Allah, Allah. As long as a person who's reciting the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's another story for another time, but at the very, very end of time, then all the believers will be taken up one by one by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the process of death, and then there will be this end of time, the final end of time will be a time on this earth where there will be absolute fitna and fasad, discord and sedition. There will not be a single believer on earth. And at that time then Israfil will blow the trumpet. And then the muhaddisin based on these hadith used to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if Allah ta'ala this is your decree that you don't even want that, that, punish, that punishment, the torment of the sound of that cataclysmic sound of that trumpet to afflict any believer, then we are hopeful for you that your irada is that you don't want any punishment to afflict any believer, and therefore we ask that you save us from the punishment of the torments and trials of the day judgment and the punishment of the grave before that and the punishment of Jahannam after that. Right? <coughs> so, 
So to Allah SWT alone will belong the dominion sovereignty and the day Mr. Trumpet is alone. Alimul Ghaybi wa Shahada. And Allah SWT is the one who is knower. And here Shahada means Ghayb means that which is hidden. And Ashahada means that which is manifest. Allah Ta'ala knows what is hidden and what is apparent. What can be witnessed, what is manifest. Wahuul Hakimul Khabir. And Allah SWT is all wise, all aware. With Qala Ibrahim li Abihi. Okay, now here is now another thing. And when Sayyidina Ibrahim said to his father, A'zara. This is the name of the father of Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam. So what did he say to them? This is a famous story. All of you were raised on this, hopefully. A'attakhidu asnaman ilaha. That are you taking these idols as deities, as gods? Inni araka wa qawmaka fi zalalim mubeen. That indeed I see you. He's telling his father, I see you, Wakomaka, and your community and your people, that they indeed have fallen into a clear and open and manifest misguidance. So then what happened? Wakadalika Nuri. Nuri, that Allah is saying is indeed that we showed Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, Malakutu Samawati wal Ard, the dominions of the empires of the, of that which lies above and this earth. Why? So that will waliyakuna minal mukinun mukinin, so that Saint Ibrahim Islam can indeed be amongst those of certain faith and conviction. Falamma janna alayhi layl, the akukaban. That when the night befell him, then he saw a star. So what did he do when he saw the star? He said, "Kala hadha Rabbi, that this is my Rabb." Falamma afala. And then when that star faded away, literally it means when the star set, but it means when the star faded away when day came. Then he said that, and this is this is very important. What did he say? Qala la uhibbul afidin that I don't love the things that fade away. So what did it mean? He also knew that whoever is going to be my rub, whoever is going to be my rub is going to be my mahboob. This is muhabbat ilahi, the love for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So if you will, that earlier Allah Taala said that He has prescribed for Himself and opted and chosen and committed Himself to rahmah. And so that is the prime relationship between Allah Ta'ala and humanity. The prime relationship between humanity and Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is love. Right? He didn't say, right? Many times people say in English, he said, oh, oh, a star could never be my rub. He didn't say that. He said, La uhimbul afilin. That I don't love the things that set. Therefore, hence, it cannot be my rub. Because my rub must be that thing that I must love. Unendingly, undyingly. And I can't love something that fades away. And that's another thing to think about, that this world is also min al-afirin. This world fades away. This life of this world fades away. If we love today, today fades away. We love the job, the job will fade away. We love a particular relationship, the relationship fades away. So if we were on Millat Ibrahim Hanifa, remember the way of Sayyidina Ibrahim is that is Hanif. So the part of him being Hanif was to realize that number one, that love the feeling that he should have for, a person should have for the rub is love. And number two, the feeling of love does not befit, is not worthy. As something that is fading is not worthy of that feeling of love. So we want to follow the Millat Ibrahim as Allah Ta'ala commanded us in Quran al-Kareem means that our ultimate capital L love should be only and only for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and only for those loves that are in His name and for His sake because those loves that are in His name and for His sake and by His permission, they will last in the Akhirah and they will never fade. That's the love between spouses, the love between people for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. That's also unfading. But any other thing that is fading, we should have no love for it whatsoever. And this is the perhaps most beautiful spiritual response to materialism. La uhibbul afinin.
Right? That's the response to all material pursuits, all material wealth, all the wonders and beauties and adornments that this world has to offer. La ohimbul afilin, that I don't love, uh, and I can't love. And for Sayyidina Ibrahim it was much more like that. It wasn't that I don't love, I can't love, it's beyond me to love. Anything that fades and vanishes. So again, this is Surah Al-Anam, Surah number 6, verse number 76. 75, uh, 76, yeah. Here the next, uh, So then when he saw the moon, but when then he saw the moon, <coughs> when he saw the moon appearing, Balzagan, when it appeared, it manifested itself, and he said, this is my love. Then when the moon faded away, then he said the same thing. Right, when the moon faded away, then what did he say? He realizes that anything that fades away can't be as rubbish. So then what did he say? Kala, in lam yahdini rabbi. That if my rub does not guide me, la aku nanna min al then indeed I will also be one of the community that goes astray. So what does this mean? Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam, another thing in Milat Ibrahim is the rational approach to faith is not going to work. He's saying I've tried the rational approach to faith. I've tried to rationally discover what should be my faith. It's not working. And the only way I can be saved is if my Rub guides me himself. I need Hidayah. So when it comes to Iman, Iman is not something that can fall into something as finite and as minute and as deficient and as mm, decrepit as rationality. Iman is something that is born of something as immense and as perfect and as beautiful as something called Hidayah from Allah subhanahu wa So that's also part of being Milat Ibrahim and part of being Hanif. That I have to get that Hidayah from Allah. So as we said, if I don't get it, he's saying, he's realizing, that it's completely over for me. لَأَكُوْ nanna, Surely and certainly and undoubtedly I will be from Qawm al-Zaldeen, from amongst those who are astray. Alright. فَلَمَّا رَأَ الشَّمْسَ بَازِغَةً the when he saw the sun manifest in appearance, he said, "This is my Rabb." Hada Akbar. That this is even greater than the things. Falamma afalat. Kala yaqomi inni bari ummimma tushrikun. That all my community, I am completely absolved from all of those things that you ascribe as partners to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Let me pause for a moment. A couple of questions your young rational minds will have at this moment. First, that he thought that the answer to his first answer. That would seem that, okay, he said this, that if my rub doesn't guide me, then he thought that the sun was what was being guided. So all of a sudden the sun came, and the sun is even bigger. But then the sun faded, and then he realized that it wasn't rub. But now Sayyidina Ibrahim a.s., this is not his first day on earth. The fact that the sun fades away is something he must know. Correct? The fact that the moon comes and fades away is something that he already knows, right? He's been saying that there's night and day, night and day, night and day. So for him to all of a sudden see the sun, the suggestion your rational mind would take from this is that he saw the sun and initially thought that it was his rub, i.e. initially he thought that the sun was something that doesn't fade. And then when it faded, he said, oh, this can't be my rub. But he must have known the sun would fade because he saw so many days fade into night. So what the Mufassirin have explained over here is that actually Sayyidina Ibrahim salam was in a state of what we call hal or wajd, ghalabatul hal. That he was at this moment and this particular day that is being described, this day of the star and the moon of the sun. In this particular one or two days, he was so drowned in the search for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you remember saying in Zakaria, uh, uh, we did him as well, that he was so, 
he first made dua, then all of a sudden he realized, how am I going to have the kid? But first when he was so drowned in his quest for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he didn't look at the fact that he and his wife were unable to have kids. He made dua for it. And when he had come back from working in the fields, because that was what was on his mind, he couldn't understand how Sayyidina Tamarim had gotten fruit. But he's a Nabi, of course Allah Ta'ala can do anything, but he was still shocked. So even the Anbiya, if it's, and I definitely know this about, if it's true for the Anbiya, it's going to be true for Azghar Anbiya. That a person's emotions affect their spirituality. Emotions, feelings and spirituality are linked. That's why the person who's depressed, it's very difficult for them to be on deen. And sometimes they think that deen itself is a cure for the depression. No, they're not going to be able to get onto deen until they get out of their depression. The deen may help them get out of their depression, but it's only once they're out of their depression that they're going to be able to get onto deen. So Khair Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam was in a hal, he was so lost in this thought, he was just completely lost and immersed in searching for his Mahabub Rabb. That's Quran, both words are there. So when, when this time the sun appeared, obviously he's seen the sun before, right? He's obviously seen the sun before. But this time when the sun appeared because he was in such a hal, he thought that this was the reply to his dua. And he only snapped out of it when the sun faded away. He only snapped out of that hal when the sun faded away. Then the real hal came upon him. And this is how the Mishayik of the Sof would also explain as well. That sometimes you get an occasional hal, but you snap out of that. Because that's not the real thing. So you think you see Wahdudul Wujud, you're supposed to snap out of it. Problem was that Ibn Arabi didn't snap out of it and he stayed in it. Care, this is another topic for another time. <laughs> or it's way beyond you, right? But a person, they enter this hal. And the way the Mashaik of the Sufi, Imam Rabbani, Mujal, Fisani, Sheikh Ahmed, Sir Hindram, when they become mu'allak, they become dangling in that hal. So, but then you need to snap out of it to reach the actual real hal, which is the real state, both emotional and spiritual, Allah Ta'ala wants you to have. And that's what happens right now to Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. So now what does he say? Inni wajahtu wajhiya lilladhi fatara samawati wal arda hanifa wa ma ana minal mushrikeen. That indeed, literally means indeed I turn my face. But it means I turn all of the tawajjuh of my capacity to turn tawajjuh. I focus all of my focusing. I concentrate all of my awareness. I turn every aspect of myself. I orient every aspect of my being. To who? To that being, to that entity and being. Who originated all of the realms that lie above and everything that is in them, stars, moon, sun, etc. And this earth itself. In what sense? Hanifa. Absolving myself from all of my own attempts to know Him and submitting myself completely to His wish and will to guide me. وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And indeed, I am not in any single way whatsoever from amongst the people, from the idol worshippers. Alright, verse number 79, inshallah, we'll stop here. Subhana Rabbil Alamaham Allahumma salli ala sayyiduna Muhammad wa ala ali sayyiduna Muhammad wa barik wa sallam 
Ya Allah Rabbi Kareem, we too, each and every one of us want to follow Millat Ibrahim Hanifa. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you grant us that feeling of mahabba, that feeling of love for you and you alone. Ya Allah, we want you to be our truest love. We want you to be our real love. We want you to be our eternal love. We want you to be our beloved. Ya Rabbi Kareem, increase our hearts and our love for you and protect and preserve our, purge our heart from all of the false loves other than you, all of the fake loves other than you, all of the fading loves other than you, and Ya Allah we ask that you save us from falling into love with that which fades, we ask that you save us from falling in love with that which vanishes Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you save us and protect us from all of the material loves, all of the lustful loves, and that you bestow upon us and guide us to only the pure loves that are in your name and for your sake Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us not sacrifice the sweetness of true love by allowing ourselves to taste the bitter sweetness of this false love, Ya Rabbi we wish to save ourselves for you save ourselves for the love that you wish to bestow upon us we wish to save ourselves for the love that you wish to see us in Ya Rabbi Kareem make us amongst your muhibbin make us amongst your true lovers make us amongst your mahbubin make us amongst your true beloveds Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem and Ya Allah make us firm in our iman make us steadfast in our iman Ya Rabbi Kareem let us be true in our iman grant us yakin in our iman Ya Allah protect us and save us from all of the doubts of the doubters, the skepticism of the skeptics. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us stronger than the atheism of the atheists. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us the nur of yakin in our iman. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we want itmanan in our qalb. Let us feel you again in our salah. Let us feel you in our sajda. Let us feel you in the heat of the summer day which we are fasting for your sake. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us feel you and remember you in each and every moment of thirst. Let us feel you and remember you in each and every hunger. Ya Allah, we flee from that hunger which doesn't lead to your dhikr. But Ya Rabbi Kareem, we race to that hunger which causes us to engage in your dhikr. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us remember you in the state of this fast. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us spend our nights for the sake of you. Let us spend our maghrib to fajr in a state of taqwa and our fajr to maghrib in a state of fasting. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you accept our fast in this month of Ramadan. Accept our reading and listening and studying and learning the Quran. Ya Allah, make our life according to this Quran. Make us Quranic insan. Ya Allah, let us not take this world that you have mentioned in Quran as a play and a pastime. Let it not. Let us not make it our passion and our goal. But Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us make the Akhirah our passion and our goal. Let us view the hakikat of this world as you know it to be. And Ya Allah, let us view the hakikat of the Akhirah as you know it to be. And Ya Allah, bestow upon us the marfat ilahi to view the hakikat of your zat and sifat as you wish us to know them to be. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, surely every beauty in this world is fading compared to your beauty. Every wonder in this world is fading compared to your wonder. Ya Rabbi Kareem, may each and every one of those people who are aware and perceive and notice and who sacrifice ourselves to your beauty and to your wonder. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samil alim, wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim, wa sallallahu ta'ala al habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa as- Ashabihi Ajmain, Birahmatika Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Amen.